This week on Retronauts. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Retronauts, another fun episode. I'm your host, Bob Mackey. And today we're going to be reading your letters, letters from listeners. That's our topic. Before before I start with our letters, who else is here today? Uh, Michael Raparas. Awesome. And? Chris Kohler. And who else? Also Ray Barnholt. And these guys have all been on Retronauts before. Uh, I think I got through went through your guys too fast. Michael, uh, what are you doing? What do you do? And who are you? Oh, uh, people might have heard <laughs> my voice on Vigigame Apocalypse, my weekly podcast that I do on the Laser Time Network. That's yeah. great. I also work for UB Blog. Uh, Chris, where can we find you? You can find me at Wired.com because I work for Wired, writing about video games. Yeah, are you celebrating your, like, 15th year there or something, <laughs> Um That is – you are not far off. If mm. we if we go back to the first article that ever appeared by me in Wired, it was 2002, and it was a review of The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. And we I need said f- that it was great. We need <laughs> to figure out Chris Kohler's secret. He's the only person who's held onto a games journalism job for more than a decade. It's – uh yeah. I, I the I, secret I, is talent. I'm, I'm the cockroach. <laughs> of flyers. can't get rid of me. And uh, you've got pictures, in other words, right? <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Okay, I I've thought got, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ray, of course, uh, former uh, regular, now just a guest, which is fine. But, uh, <laughs> Perfectly fine. Yes, exactly. No, no nothing wrong with, with that. that. No, no, no. 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 Nope. And uh, you do scroll that VG, or you did it, and I it's did still it. available. It's yeah. still great. And that was a great episode, guys. Thanks so much for coming okay. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, was yeah, good. yeah, for yeah, it turns us. out we didn't get any letters at all. No, but yeah. uh, you know what? It was fun still. No, see, I was so excited to get to letters, I skipped over who you were, but the letters are going to be great. Again, once a year, we allow you to talk to us, and by that, it's it's very one sided. You write into us. We we might we might make fun of you. We might not. Yeah. Um, it's a bad idea all around. Exactly. <laughs> but we have so much fun on these episodes, and it's part uh, it's part charity, part laziness. Um, the charity is like you. We'll talk to you. We'll say your name. We'll read your letter. The laziness is like you know. I, I spend six to eight hours researching for every episode, unlike what some complainers might think. And uh, if you guys have gotten my notes before, you know they're roughly three to four thousand words of just complete like meticulousness and annoying fastidious. And mm-hmm. just every possible angle covered. He went to college. Yes, exactly. I know how to be. Uh, I'm professionally anal. Uh, that sounded weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm professionally um, fastidious. Why not? Let's Meticulous. go back to that word. I, I'm more comfortable with fastidious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, again, I like to hear what you have to say, and you all wrote in some great questions. And uh, we normally do like a roundup of virtual console stuff um, that came out in the previous year. Uh, and there's a lot of good stuff, enough to round out half an hour. But there were some complaints on the last one, and I totally agree. Like, if this is a listener mail episode, we should focus on the actual listener mail. I want to read as many of these as possible. And we have so many great um, letters to read. And let's get started with a letter from our friend Chad. And he writes in to say, what game is or was your or holy grail of retro games. Thanks to my blunder, my brothers and I have a number of classic NES and SNES games we are constantly searching for as adults, but my own personal journey is to reobtain Metal Storm without having to sell most of my internal organs. That's from Chad. Um, Chris looks ready to answer this question. Uh, Chad... Put a dollar into a piggy bank every day for two months, and you can go buy Metal Storm. What is the price? Oh, so it's $60? Yeah, okay. yeah, just about. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and then you'll have the Holy Grail, and you'll be one up on on Indiana Jones. As, as the for Templars. me, <laughs> but uh, as long as you don't like turn to a skeleton, is that a, is that a possibility? That no, not if you play Metal Star. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right, right. No. If you play Metal Max, you will. <laughs> yes. Okay, I thought yes. so. <laughs> um, as as for me, uh, this is a disappointing answer. I'm sorry, but I'm not a collector anymore. I just have s- such small living space, and I'm used to just being on the move and on the go because of my criminal past. No, just because of the nature of being employed, writing about video games. So. My holy grails are things I've hung on to, like uh, Complete Box Earthbound from the day it was released. Like, that is something I will never get rid of. And that is still, like, a very sought-after item for a lot of other people. So I think I have one of the holy grails of, of game collecting. Uh, Michael, how about you? Uh, mine's always kind of been Fossile, the UK version. Um, mm. When the Neo Geo Pocket went under, oh, yeah. there was a <clears throat> about to release a game called Fossile, which was like a giant robot JRPG. And it was unique for having, like, voice samples encoded into the cartridge. Like, I don't think that was a a feature in other Neo Mm. Geo Pocket games. Uh, Came out in the UK uh, around the same time the system was recalled pretty much worldwide. And copies of that go on eBay for between $200 and $300. I think I saw one today for, like, $375. So, so if you follow Chris's advice, each, you need about a yeah. year of that piggy bank action in but, order to get it. But then right. I should say also I've come to realize I'm less of a video game collector and more of a video game hoarder. So <laughs> it's kind of a question of would I actually play this if I ever got my hands on it? Probably not. Yeah, that's true for me too. I'm glad digital sales have turned my hoarding into a uh, something that can sweep under the rug. Uh, mm-hmm. Ray, right. how about you? Just put it on a hard drive. <laughs> yes, exactly. We can forget about it there. That is where I put all my video games yeah. under my rug. I have digital cat skeletons on my hard drive just <laughs> to be a, a true yeah. hoarder. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I think I get too caught up in that term, holy grail, because I start to think about things that, you know, I really it's, always really wanted, but, like... It's been defined down over the years to the yeah. point where I, search, I saw that somebody's holy grail was, like, a copy of Contra on the NES. Yeah. yeah. Wow, really? Like, we're, yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because like it should I, be Contra Force. That's I, the real I, expensive one. I sold a few what would maybe be Holy Grails, but not really. Like Christmas Nights, I had a copy of that, and I sold it for a few hundred dollars before I moved to California just yeah. to fund my move. And oh, I, I'm sorry, Ray. No, I have Christmas Nights. I have a bunch of games that you know I, I, I already seeked out and did not you know pay out the nose for anything. So I think you sold Christmas Nights for a few hundred dollars. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was not. I think so, yeah. Holy cow. I think so. Was it ever wow. worth that much? With the U.S. No. version? <laughs> oh. Well, then someone bought it for that much. Holy cow. Yeah. 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 I remember I bought like a, a Japanese version mm-hmm. uh, over there for like $3. Right. Wow. right. Wow. But I think the U.S. version is much rarer. Yeah. It yeah. could be. It, it, is, was, it, is, it is much rarer, but it's. It, I don't think it was ever a It was like a given away as a magazine. Yeah. Answer, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 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 It was maybe like $200, but someone paid that much for it. Wow. The eBay, PBB, it was like a case of ignorance plus eBay equals profit for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, for me, I think it's more about hardware, really. There's still some old 90s systems I fetishize, like the like the Marty and things. Like I just kind of like the designs of those things and kind of right. like to have them. You're the only person I know who has an FM Towns Marty t-shirt. Right. And I appreciate that. I didn't even know he had a – there was a mascot. And it, does he have a name? I would assume Marty. Mar- I would hope so. <laughs> I'd be mad if it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not like those – it's like I want a Marty game. It's just like I kind of like the design of that system. It takes me back to that early 90s period and, uh, yeah. You just want to put it on a shelf. Yeah. Mm. Well, not even that. It's like mm. that's the that's the conundrum. That's the second part. It's like, what do I really do with it? Where do I put it? I just yeah. don't want to put it in a white box if I if I covet it that much. Yeah. That, that is going to be the problem in in you know the years to come. Yeah. It's like the the games are going to survive, but the hardware is not just FM Towns Marty, but everything. The hardware is right. dying. Yep. You know, capacitors are leaking. 
Yeah, and and no, destroying no. your Zelda hardware. games are burning you with acid. Yeah, it's going to be much much more difficult to uh, to, to find working hardware. Yeah, my, yeah. my childhood Super NES died. It's, right, oh, oh, video no. was fried. Did you bury it in the backyard? No, uh-huh. not yet. Mm. Don't have the strength for it yet. <laughs> I'm so sad. You're still mourning. I, that take you yeah. take off that black armband now, yeah. right? It's safe. <laughs> uh, and again, again, like uh, all my holy grails are like just very deeply personal things that might not be worth a lot. Like I'm not the kind of uh, games journalist that gets things signed. I just I I find it a little embarrassing just to go through that process with somebody but I do my one thing I have that I love and I keep on a shelf is Maniac Mansion the cart signed by Ron Gilbert and Tim Schafer nice like that was something that's like oh this is my favorite version of this game it might not be Ron Gilbert's but he was like okay yeah I'll sign it and Tim Schafer was happy to sign it it was his first LucasArts game he worked on as a debugger or a scum guy or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean for me it's all about is this meaningful to me I don't care if it's worth money I just want it to reflect my like ego (laughs) in my apartment like I want it to reflect my, my existence in the universe as we all do I think I have no shame whatsoever, um, so I will get I will get everything and everything signed. I, I yeah. need to lose my yeah. guilt, Chris. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. I need to mm-hmm. I need to drop my shame and guilt, but I, I only, can't. I only really did that once, and it was uh, went to an Assassin's Creed Three preview event, and I was like really really hyped on the game. And they had sent out these cloth flags to games journalists that were nicer than the cloth the, the flags that came with the collectors. They're edition. nicer than the American flag itself. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, they're they're yeah. beautifully handmade, and they have the assassin insignia. And so I went around and like got that signed by as many members of the dev team as I could find there. The problem is mm. I got them all to sign it in ballpoint, so you can't really see. <laughs> oh, no. It. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. My first, the first thing I got signed by by Miyamoto, I bought like a gold sharpie kind of pen in. Japan. Japan, mm-hmm. and it is it's almost totally faded now oh. yeah it was crazy mm-hmm. oh well I think that shame comes from Catholic school Chris now that I'm thinking about it mm-hmm. so yep. don't not, send not your child to Catholic school yep. I'm, I'm serious then right. you'll, you'll get so many more autographs in the future Jason X writes, why am I in space? I'm Jason. This is makes uh, this makes no sense whatsoever. I'm either. just kidding. I mean, his, his screen name is Jason X. I had to make that joke. Uh, it was hilarious, as you can tell, from the reactions to the guests in the I room. I don't get it, yeah. <laughs> Jason uh-huh. X was the 10th Jason movie where he was in space. Oh! Yes. Uh, okay. Did, did no one know that but me? I did. I, okay, I, did. Right, I fake laughed. Yeah, see, I, I, at least fake laughter helps me with my life. So yeah. uh, Jason X writes, what are the top 10 games? Let's make this top one game. Uh, yeah. What is the top game you each wish you had played but just haven't gotten around to yet? Also, please confirm for historical record that Legend of Dragoon is the worst JRPG of all time. That's Jason X. As uh, someone uh, who is not an authority, I don't like Legend of Dragoon. Uh, let's get to that first. What is our Legend of Dragoon consensus so we can officially put it down in the I, Retronauts Book of Blood? I wish Nick Mar- Nick Maragos was here and he could he could tell you all about Legend of Dragoon. He wrote the GIA's yes. uh, Zero Star Review of that game. And I think still gets hate mail for it. Yeah, so um, new people find it. That's yeah. still online, right? That has to still th- be online yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. look yeah. up uh, Nick Maragos' uh, Legend of Dragoon, uh, mm-hmm. and you'll find the best review. Uh, yeah. Michael, what do you I, think of Legend of Dragoon? I've never played it, but my boss uh, at Games Radar, Eric Bratcher, was he absolutely loved it and would take any opportunity to talk it up. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you know there's probably some merit there. Hmm. And Ray, I, I heeded Nick's words and have not touched it. So. Yeah, Nick warned me away. I'm only going based on what people tell me that I people I trust really. Yes. But right. I mean. The the battle system is uh, made by the same guys. I think it's directed by the guy who designed Super Mario RPG's battle system. So they're starting with some talent there. I don't know how that made 
up for the rest of the game. But yeah, from what I hear, not so great. And uh, that's the official Retronauts word. We're kind of <laughs> ambiguous. There we go. But in terms of top games we wish we played, I've, I've gone over this a lot on past episodes, but just a lot of games that have been fan translated, like um, Ace Attorney Investigations 2 and um, a ton of JRPGs that have been translated and Wonder Project J and uh, Famicom Detective mm-hmm. Club, uh, the remake for Super Famicom. Like Those translations are things that, that have been in existence and I feel bad that I haven't played them. But again, like I have to wait till I'm unemployed before I get to those games. I, I played through Police Knots finally and, and Marvelous when I was unemployed. So someone fire me so I can play through these games. Don't do that. <laughs> Nobody do that. Uh, anybody else? Any, what's your top, like, I, I need to play through this game um, mm. kind of game? Uh, I, I played, um, I, I have played so far like five hours of Terranigma. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, me too. Which is totally my jam. I love it. Uh, and that, yeah, if I ever get some more time, I'm going to put some more time into that because I'd love to play through the whole thing. Mm. Oh, man, so many. Uh, Seiken Densetsu 3 is mm-hmm. one I'd really like to play. Oh, yeah, I did that in high I school, so I'm, love I'm, Secret I'm covered. Oh, nice. Good for you. Uh, yeah. Earthbound, I actually never played. <gasps> so, oh, my God. We just talked yeah, about Earthbound. I that's, know. Your, that's definitely the top of your stack of shame at this point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, you can and, do 20 uh, hours, right? Dracula X Rondo of Blood, that's another one. Even though I have it on Wii, and I've played it for like five minutes, I've, I've just never taken the time to get into it. Yeah. So, Ray, what else? What do you uh, have? I'd say, uh, well, I haven't gotten around this one yet because it's not out, which is the remake of The Silver Case. Oh, yeah. I just heard about that today. Just like a Grasshopper's first game. Is that uh, anything huh. like, uh, like Fire, Sun, and... Flower, Sun, Moon? Yeah. It is uh, it, it is kind of a prequel, spiritual prequel type thing, uh, huh. but uh, it is more of a straightforward adventure game with menus and stuff. So. Oh, okay, cool. How, what, what was it originally published on? Uh, PS1. PS1. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Silver huh. Ken. So they're remaking it. They're going to do it in English through Playism. And, uh, oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Going nice. to be on PC at least. And yeah, that should be great. So hopefully we answer your question, Jason X, and leave those kids alone. That's what I say. Uh, Rob writes to say, what did you guys think of Frank Cifaldi's GDC talk about emulation? Uh, that, is that available to the public to yes, watch? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah. Yep, yeah. It's free. So please take an hour, pause the podcast, and watch that and come back. Hi, welcome back. <laughs> did you ever think we'll see a situation where piracy is not the only way to truly preserve classic games? Uh, I think, uh, Rob, I think we're living that future. Uh, I mean, in, in many cases, uh, a classic is not going to be, see the light of day again unless it's deemed profitable or at least potentially profitable, I think. And um, I think restoration and preservation has always been a nonprofit uh, prospect for the most part. Would you guys agree with me about that in terms of like – saving and restoring the past. There's not a lot of money in that for people. I like the the, no. the incentive in terms of profit is very small. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a if anything it's a long tail business. I mean, you, you kind of have to take everything that you have, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of games, everything you can get the rights to and sort of and and make them all available again. And uh you know, the the example that Frank used was uh Uncle Buck, the movie Uncle Buck from 1988 or 89. And I mean, it's like, yeah, it's not like there's like this huge group of like Uncle Buck fanboys uh, out uh, there. Chris, I'm a Buckhead. <laughs> <laughs> Buckies. I yeah, we're Buckies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's not that there is a huge group of people who go out there, but it's like it is affordable to keep Uncle Buck in print. It's on every streaming service. It's on every, it's on Blu-ray. It's on, it's on DVD um, because they take every movie and they keep them all in print and they sell a little bit of every movie and it makes sense to just have have all this stuff out there with video games. It's it's not long tail. It's very short head. It's like oh well, we're gonna do um, you know Earthbound and we're gonna do Super Mario World, but um, anything that that's less popular than that like doesn't come back. But but Frank's real point and oh by the way yeah, what do I think of it? 
it's amazing. It's a, it was a it was a it was a great talk. Uh, yeah, I like Frank, it. who is you know friend of the show. Yeah, he's good, the very show. good friend of mine. So very biased, um, <laughs> but it was the best GDC talk ever. Uh, it was very important, I think, uh, for anybody who was there to learn about this because um, what I really didn't understand about video game development is that emulation is kind of a dirty word with video game developers and publishers right now. If you if you go and suggest to like Capcom, like oh let's emulate let's emulate your games, they're like. Uh, that's illegal. It's illegal to emulate NES games. And it's like, no, it's not illegal. It's <laughs> illegal to, like, download ROMs you don't own, but it's not illegal to emulate NES on PlayStation. Right? I have heard, though, uh, maybe you know something about this, Chris, or maybe uh, Michael or Ray can chime in. Um, we've only seen uh, emulations of NES games and SNES games on other platforms because of, like, a certain reverse engineering process that's happened. Or is that just, just completely made up? Like... They, there's something they had to develop the technology to get around patents that were Nintendo's or something. I have no idea what I'm saying, but this is what I've been told. Like we're we're only seeing like the rare collection with uh-huh. NES games because they developed the process to reverse engineer the the game program and make it run in a different language or a different way that's not copyrighted by Nintendo. Right. Is, well, is that true? Um, I I don't know how the the NES stuff on Rare Replay works. Yeah. Certainly, Frank talked about how the Mega Man Legacy Collection, of which he was the producer, um, they're not. It's when you play it, it's not emulating. What they actually did was, and I'm going to ruin this, I'm sure, uh-huh. but they they basically figured out a way to emulate the games and then recode them in C, like okay. by emulating them. Yeah. But then the actual code, as it exists on like the you know the Xbox One or the PlayStation Four, is um. It, there's no emulation going on there. Okay. Um, but again, but the thing is, that was a baloney workaround that they had to do, not because there was anything illegal or, or, or illicit about emulation, but because, you know, basically Capcom was like, we don't want emulation because that we we don't want to get into that. And Frank's yeah, point was, I can see that it's fine to emulate things. It it's seems actually like, yeah. it's been decided in court yeah. that it is legal to use emulators. And all an emulator is, I mean, Frank's analogy was, it is a it's a video codec. A a video a, a video codec is a film strip emulator. Yeah, like it's like that's, a wrapper. That's yeah. all it is. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. what, what do you guys think about this? This uh, this issue of piracy being the solution to preservation. Well, we haven't talked about it. I think even last letters show we we were going over that stuff, and uh, I think you know, uh, I, I I don't like the the whole equivalency to piracy all the time. I mean, if you collect something and you keep it stored away, like even if it's a, a record, is that are you pirating the record? I don't think so. So I think you know, it's uh, I. I just don't like going to that. <laughs> I think I, it's, I, yeah. it's also extremely dicey. Like when something uh, is not legally available or is is not openly available. Like even if you're tracking down a cartridge or something, like it. it in terms of the developer seeing that money, it's exactly the same whether you yeah. buy the cartridge or you download it from some website uh, because it, none of that money is going back to them ever. Exactly. Like yeah. I think in a case where uh, emulation – you're emulating a game that is not available and will never be available. Like let's say I want to play Disney's Tailspin for the NES. No one will ever publish that game again or republish it. I'm pretty sure. If I, if I download it from the internet – 
um, like, what better would it be if I spent $100 to some collector, you know, giving him that money? Like, mm. the people who made the game are not going to see any of that. I mean, it's a formality just the fact that you're giving someone money for it. But I think as long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as you're not literally stealing something that's already available, you're you're good. Like, I think, feel free to do it. I don't like the linking of piracy and preserve as yeah. opposed to piracy and play because there mm. are people who will just, you know, download any, you know, the five ROMs that they want for whatever mm. games that they remember and just put that on their Android device. And not worry about it. But then there's people who actually do, you know, collect all this stuff and keep it around and you may actually uh, curate it, write about it, you know, actually treat mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, as the historical items that they are. So, Well, we've learned, you know, we've learned so much about these games from people emulating them. You yes. know what I mean? I mean, we, That's true, yeah. There's, there's yeah. so much uh, great writing and, you know, videos like exploring the designs of classic games. But if all the people who would have written those articles or, or uh, you know, shot those videos, if they had to go and buy the rare video game cartridge and then, you know, put it into an NES and then get, you know, something to hook up the NES so they can capture video of it, da 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 like, it, none of that would have happened. I think it's very, I, I think it's just really important for people to go out there exactly. and pirate stuff that's not available. Yeah. I mean, I was so lucky, and uh, you're around my age, Chris, that, uh, mm-hmm. and so is Ray, that, like, my high school summers coincided with the rise of emulation. So it was like, I'm going to play every mm-hmm. NES game this summer. Even if it's five yep. minutes of each one, I'm going to learn about every one, every Game Boy game, every Genesis game, like, right. every system I didn't own. And that's kind of why I got into retro games and classic games, just because I had instant access to all of them. And I, yeah. could, I could look at the graphic tables and see how that worked. And I could play Japanese right. sequels to things I didn't know had Japanese sequels. Yeah, to be yeah. able to look at the the library of something as a as a holistic whole, you know what I mean, and 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 have every NES game that was ever made to truly understand the the system. Um, yeah. Hmm. So we're going to move on to our next letter. James writes in to say, "Are there any genres that you put a lot of effort trying to get into?" but ultimately decided just weren't for you. And that's from James. And I will say uh, really quickly, RTSs. I think Pikmin is the only RTS I like. I just don't like RTSs. I don't like the anxiety of um, of having to think on the fly like that. I really like building bases in RTSs. I really like building the actual, like, barracks and, and you know, tank factories and stuff like that. It's probably why I only, and, and when I play The Sims, I just like building the house. But in terms of at, that step after that, I just can't get into it. Um, how about you, Michael? Do you have a, a genre that you want to get into, but it just, you can't do it? Well, racing sims is okay. something I did try to get into because, you know, especially way back in the, uh, the days of the PS1, everybody went on and on about how great Gran Turismo was. And I tried playing it and I just couldn't get into it. And every time I play like one of these very serious, realistic racing sims. Like, it, it's just like, well, this is a beautiful backdrop, and I just feel like I'm here's a yellow line around this curve that's coming <laughs> up that I have to steer into, and I don't really understand it. I don't appreciate it. I don't like that I have to start out with a crappy car that doesn't give me much control, and it's just. I've you know played these games a few times and they've just kind of fizzled in my brain. I had that Gran Turismo problem too. I really wanted to like it, but it's all those uh, trials are like now shave three tenths of a second off of this. I'm like mm-hmm. I can't do any better. <laughs> uh, Ray, how about you? Any any genres that you, um, you would like to get into but just can't? Uh, not that I dislike these games. It's quite the opposite. But I wish I could uh, uh, play horse racing sims better. <laughs> I mean, we all do, right? Right, right. Derby, of Derby, course. Derby Stallion could win a I, lot of money. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because you know, uh, I, I used to love the uh, the horse betting mini game in uh, Mystical Ninja, the first uh, Goemon game for Super NES, and I think that just sort of sparked this sort of interest <laughs> in it. And so I, I keep an eye on those sorts of games. Uh, I, I wrote about like 
Jockey's Road, which was a Japanese Xbox game. I think I read those. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I think it's more of a point of just trying to find the one game that I, I need and don't have to play anything else, <laughs> basically. Hmm. I think that might be, I don't know, they, Koei released one called Champion Jockey um, a few years ago on PS3 and stuff. Maybe that's just the one I, I, I only need to worry about. Same same way with uh, other Koei games like Dynasty Warriors. Like, <laughs> what's what's the one I just need for the rest of my life? Maybe Thanks. they can mix the horse yeah. racing game with the Dynasty Warriors game to make like a. Yeah, a, that'll happen soon. <laughs> it has to, right? Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Chris? Any any kind of genres that you want to get into, but you just they you're just resistant to them? You know, I just never got into like strategy role playing games. Mm, uh, okay. I bought Final Fantasy Tactics when it first came out because I'd really never played anything that was like that before, um, and really tried my best and uh, just just absolutely could not get into it and then you know any any uh, later um, attempts to get me into strategy games at all uh, mm-hmm. have just failed miserably hmm. I've tried my whole life and eventually was just like there I just are a I lot need of, to stop trying there are a lot of bad strategy RPGs but they're not for everybody I'll, I'll totally agree with that right right yeah. so we have another letter and uh, Scott writes what are some of the games that you wish had versions available for modern consoles I understand that convincing Konami to put Snatcher and Police Knots out is futile but I would love to see Sega put out Panzer Dragoon Saga and Skies of Arcadia on a platform that doesn't look like ass on a modern TV. And that's from Scott. Well, Scott, I've complained about this for the past, I don't know, five years I've been doing Retronauts. But um, personally, I think the fact that we have not received Yoshi's Island, the true Yoshi's mm. Island, not the bad, I'm saying right now, it's a bad port <laughs> for the Game Boy Advance. That's available on the Wii Virtual Console, not the, the amazing SNES game. And if I had to guess, I'm guessing it's a patent issue with something they used in the Super FX2 chip. That's just my conjecture. I'm not saying that's true, but I think... Well, there's no Super FX games available on Virtual Console. Yes, mm-hmm. so it might have something to do with that, and it's like, well, what if the Wii you can't um, emulate? It's like, listen, I, I was <laughs> emulating... I'm sorry, I'm making a straw man for this argument, because yeah. I've heard it plenty uh-huh. of times. Like, listen, buddy, yeah. Yeah. 1999-2000, on my, my Pentium 300, I was running Yoshi's Island at... 60 frames per second with all the effects running. Like, I was doing this 15 years ago. If a console today can't do it, my my Android tablet can do it for some reason. That, mm. And that's older than the Wii U. Like, they can do it, but it has to be some um, some issue that we will never know about, um, probably. That, that Yoshi's Island is my ultimate choice. Like, the fact that that game is not available, it's it's such a beautiful expression of platforming that it, I feel like we were being robbed as a, as, a, as a society and as human beings. I rest my case. Somebody else talk. Mm. <laughs> What else uh, do we have? I feel like, you know, I, I want to echo Panzer Dragoon Saga and say that I think that Saturn games in general have gotten really short shrift. Like I That's true, yeah. I haven't really seen them pop up on anything. Uh, and, you know, there, there are a bunch of games from that era that I'd love to play again. Uh, Last Bronx, uh, any of the other Panzer Dragoons, uh, Fighting Vipers. Yeah, one thing we didn't mention in the preservation question is the fact that uh, video games like early cinema, it was made to be disposable. It was not made for future future consumers. It was like throw out the source code, here comes the new game, throw out the original discs or put them in your garage and have them die in a fire. I mean, like that is one of the reasons why Saturn games too. Um, I mean, source code control was nothing in the late 90s and it wasn't even a thing in a lot of studios until fairly recently. So I think a lot of the reason is they just can't get those games working again. In terms of rebuilding them, sorry, Chris. Um, geez, something that uh, I'd, I'd just not—I mean, you know, a lot of stuff is available through emulation. A lot of stuff is available right. in fan translation. Right. Yeah. Um, I 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, it would be nice if um, somebody got like a laser active emulation uh, because, of course, you can't emulate the laser active because it's literally like video on laser discs yeah. that plays. It's like you can't emulate a VHS tape, right? They have yeah. to go you Action have to, Max games gone forever. Right, right, oh. right. It would be it would be really cool to be able to play the laser active stuff without literally having to boot up a laser active. Not mm. that any of those games are any good. Um, in terms of in terms of a more realistic one, where the heck is Square Enix on the US Wii U virtual console? Because yes, like yes. the games are out in Japan. They didn't come out here yet on, on Wii U. I just want to play Secret of Mana on my freaking gamepad, which would be beautiful. Where is it? Or or uh, Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy oh, yeah. 3, Final Fantasy 2, uh, by that I mean 4 and 6, of there's course. There's so much playtime I could have with the Wii U playing these games on Virtual Console. And yeah. what is even going on? That gamepad was built for those kind of experiences. Like, I'm yes. going to have my TV on and Final Fantasy 3 or Chrono Trigger or Secret of Mana on my yes. gamepad. And, you know, I just did Earthbound yeah. exactly like that. It was, it was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Ray? Maybe everyone at Square is busy animating rocks in Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> yes, I said animating rocks. <laughs> is that a new summon? Cobblestones. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I think, yeah, tied into that whole emulation stuff, it's like are, there are a lot of things that, you know, I could play right now. For example, Panzer, Panzer Dragon Saga does not run super terribly in an emulator right now. And I think, you know, that's 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 easy for me. I think it is things that are, came a little bit after that, like uh, the original Xbox. Like there, there's there's there, there's emulator work being done on that, but it's still nowhere near to a point where it's going to get that is super funny. playable in the in the near future. It is funny you say that but, because um, when I tried to play, I was playing the early Halo games uh, maybe in 2012 just to see what they were like because I never experienced them, and I was like, yeah. why does Halo Two have emulation issues on the Xbox 360? Isn't Halo Two like one of the biggest games on that platform? It was, but it was yeah. still like, who cares? It's like the reason they made that backwards compatible. Yeah, yeah, but um, it was still like it kind of doesn't work that well. Yeah, and for me, like you know, the original Xbox is not just a bunch of PC ports and Halo and stuff. There are some really there were some really interesting and exclusive games to that, uh, which I wrote about in the magazine, of course. The Japanese ones, at least, but yeah, there's uh, a whole issue see, about that, right? Yeah, all the weird Japanese games I wrote about, uh, but also some American releases as well. Stuff like uh, Phantom Crash is a favorite of mine. It's, I mean, it's not a great game, but it's a kooky little mech game, and I think you know have that sort of comeback in one way or another would be cool. Another letter from A.L, and he writes in to say, there are a number of historically important games that are now regarded as having quote-unquote aged poorly, such as GoldenEye, Mortal Kombat, uh, Metroid, etc. Are there any aged poorly type games that you came to late, years after release, and thought the consensus was wrong? Having limited experience with the pre-RE4 Resident Evil games, and despite years of hearing the games weren't worth playing anymore, I downloaded RE2 on PSN in 2010 and became one of my favorite games. It's from AL. Um, I don't want to go first this time. Does anyone have an immediate answer for this question? Something that has aged too poorly for you to enjoy People that was acclaimed. People say that um, 
that Earthbound Beginnings, the original mother, has aged poorly and has aged so poorly that you can't enjoy it anymore. I, mm. I do not find that to be the case. Okay. It is super grindy. It, it is very is grindy. It is super difficult. Um, I did use save states when I played it yeah. on the Wii U. Every step, yeah. Not, yeah, not every step, but like definitely when I had to hike all the way to a dungeon and was at the beginning of it and the fact that I was using because I was using a fact was like, this is super hard. Um, but it is a beautiful game. Um, it is totally still worth uh, playing, and I did really enjoy going through it all, although it is super grindy, as they say. It, it is. is, like, super difficult. Um, but that that is considered to have aged poorly, but I, I kind of stand in opposition to the idea that it's, that it's like, unplayable today. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. How about you, Michael? Oh, I don't know. Um, I, is Battletoads thought of as aging poorly? Because uh, some might say so. <laughs> I remember I went back into that. Uh, I, I had never played it when it was new, and discovered it again uh, a few years ago, and was just sort of amazed seeing it run. Uh, this it's like this is one of the most fluidly animated NES games I've ever seen. Like that and Metal Storm are just like they move beautifully, and I'd never seen anything else look that good on an NES. So, mm. yes, I would disagree with the idea that either of those have aged badly. But what about mm. level three? <laughs> well, level three. I don't, Are you I a never, master of level three? Have never you? really made it that far. Oh, wow. We still uh, like oh, levels yeah, one level, two, level one of Battletoads yeah. is like Beautiful. one of the best experiences uh, on the NES. <laughs> is level three the rocket just, bike level? That's the rocket yeah. bike uh, level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like I did play the crap out of Sorry. I did play the crap out of uh, Battletoads and Battle Maniacs mm. on Super Nintendo. And I think the rocket bike level was a bit later in that one. I think so, too. But it was still excruciating. <laughs> yeah, and that's a much slower game, I think. It's, mm-hmm. it's more brawlier yeah, than uh, yeah. all the NES one was pretty brawly. How about you, Ray? Anything oh, you th- that God, supposedly I don't, uh, is age poorly? I don't think I can really name anything because it's like what I think is like I don't even think about uh, – whether it's age poorly or what the consensus is necessarily. If I'm going back to some old, some crusty old game or something, I try to be as open-minded as possible <laughs> and try to yeah. push through as much as much as I can. For example, uh, again to bring up the magazine, I just did a bunch of MSX games, things that were fairly impenetrable because you know you could not easily find uh, you know a, a walkthrough on those sorts of things. But uh, you know. At that point, for me, it's just like, well, what can I find here that's at least interesting? What can I talk about? What is the highlight of this one way or another? And if there's nothing good enough to talk about, then fine. We just won't write about it. But otherwise, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you know, uh, but as far as like entertainment, like I still don't try and like give it a pre-critical eye necessarily. I would just be like, yeah, okay. Well, this is what people talked about a while ago. Let's see if this is as bad as they say or not. And uh, I don't know. But I don't really think about it and. A, a sort of conscious way. For me, it's more about um, I'm a big fan of adventure games, and it always makes me mad when people are just really dismissive of the idea, like, oh, yeah, point on the thing and click on it, you skunk yeah. on tree, blah, blah, blah. And I will admit that. Um, people do that? People do that. Like, they are very. Are, are you being sar- sarcastic or are you, are you uh, I, being honest? I'm confused. No, I just. I, I've, I've not really heard that much backlash to like the the very idea of point and click adventure games. I, I like think a lot of people I, I do that sometimes know. but it comes from a place of deep familiarity yeah. with yeah. those games. I'm, yeah. I'm not being passive aggressive towards you Michael. I've never heard <laughs> you do that in my presence but um, I think Chris a lot of people read that Old Man Murray uh, essay 15 years ago or 16 years ago and that was the last time they thought about the genre Right. and they're like yeah they're stupid and they always were who cares yeah. but um, I will agree that like most adventure games are bad 
like I would say 95% of them are bad. There may be 20 you need to play from that golden age. But there's a lot to love, and I don't like when people are immediately dismissive of the idea of an adventure game. Like, oh, this stupid thing. Like, oh, haven't we moved on? But I feel like uh, there's a lot of fun to be had. And, again, I wrote a um, super, super long article about uh, A Day of the Tentacle and Oral History. And, and going back to that game, I'm like, this game is just – it could be a modern adventure game. It feels so forward-thinking. But that is a rare exception because a lot of them, again, were made for a different kind of audience with different standards and more time on their hands. But I, I do get uh, annoyed when people are dismissive of adventure games in general. So. That's my problem. You might have a problem with clicking on something, but you'll love press X to pay respect. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What is Call of Duty if not Maniac Mansion in a different uh, color? Uh, Uh, I do not want to say that. Never mind. Uh, So Alexander writes, uh, as youths, uh, did the Retronauts ever come across a scathingly negative review of a game they passionately loved? We just talked about this on an episode we recorded today. Mm. Uh, the day I learned that Kirby Air Ride is nearly universally regarded as mediocre to trash by the Games Press was the day I learned to never trust anyone over 30. And Alexander wants us to know he's kidding. Um, Chris, do you have anything about this? Any any negatively reviewed he's now games? 30. I, well, I mean, yeah, there were probably some negative reviews that I, that I came across as a youth and was like, what? This is genius. How dare you? The only one that I particularly remember, and it's not like I really loved the game Star Ocean the second story, but there was a <laughs> newspaper-like oh, review no. of Star Ocean, the second story, from somebody who, with only a passing familiarity with, like, what role-playing games even are. Oh, yeah, I just read a one-star mm. review of Dark Souls 3 that someone posted from their local paper. Yeah, and this was literally just somebody who, I just remember him saying, um, just being aghast at the idea that he had to press... I had to press the control panel. That's that's uh, directly oh, down. I had to, to press the control <laughs> panel over thirty times to get through one section of dialogue. The control panel. Oh, yep. Jesus. Yes. I have to open my toolbox. You can see the tally marks in his notebook. <laughs> yep. 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 Just oh, just being uh, just just being not understanding at all of why yeah. these people were talking to each other so much. Yeah. Like what kind of a video game. Is like, that? when am I going to jump on a guy's head already? Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So right, that, that right. kind of perspective. Yeah, yeah. I would get annoyed yeah. by that, too. I, I kind of had that same reaction <laughs> reading the, was it the Wall Street Journal's review of Borderlands 2 that got passed around a whole bunch where uh, the guy was criticizing it for not having competitive multiplayer and... I don't think I saw that. I, I do know about yeah. the Mass Effect review where the guy didn't know he could, like, level up his character. Oh, poor like Dean oh, yes. yes. He's still getting crap for that. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Old, old wounds. Old wounds. That A lot of these things can be very valuable perspective, though. I'm sure that I, I am sure that that review of Mass Effect um, was passed around a lot at Electronic Arts and Bioware, not to say, ha-ha, let's laugh at Dean Takahashi, oh, for sure, but yeah. to say, whoa, guys, like, we made a game in which somebody didn't realize they could level up In which a game character. reviewer couldn't read the Right, like, yeah. somebody who's played a lot of video games, like, totally missed this. Like, there's, there's something wrong here. <laughs> I guess going back to classical stuff. Uh, I mean, there are uh, there there were people I I know who I mean I've you know heard stories about people playing like you know Final Fantasy VII and never using Materia. Hmm. Just mm. just like I can't yeah. I, I can't get past this game. It's just like <laughs> that sounds it's yeah. like whoa yeah. You just hit oh this with the sword. Yeah, yeah. What yeah, is yeah. this? Well, it's like they get to like hour thirty and it's just like man, I really can't get past this battle. <laughs> How do you get to hour thirty and not I, use you know uh, have a lot of time on your hands? Yeah. A lot of potions. Yeah. I think. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Maybe this is just my bad memory or what. But when I was a kid, I don't think I even paid much attention to reviews at all, really. That's for the best. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I can remember 
a bunch of different spreads and previews of things that EGM did or GameFan did or what have you. So like, I yeah. didn't even really – I think – I, I didn't have time to get pissed off at them. In terms of paying attention to reviews as a kid, it was like – I think if I saw something like, oh, I guess that's bad. I'm yeah. not going to play that. Like the only thing that sticks out in my mind was like reading about uh, the Fallout, not even the review, but the Fallout from EGM's World Heroes review oh, where yeah. like the the publisher <laughs> wrote them a letter and they published it and, and responded to it in their letters column, <laughs> which was probably really bad form. <laughs> cool but, though. Yeah. I liked how brash They're, they were. Trip Hawkins would, would do that with yeah, uh, some yeah. of the, that was the infamous. 3DO games. Yeah, with yeah. Um, like a Portal Runner or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. where he wrote a very lengthy letter, I believe, to GamePro. Yeah, saying um, how ill-equipped their reviewer was to review <laughs> this game, and yeah, um, we just talked about it on our episode we just recorded. But uh, Earthbound uh, famously reviewed very poorly. I, again, on that episode, I did explain in the context of that time period was like games are growing up, games are photorealistic and bloody and mature. Mm-hmm. And what's this peanuts trash you're shoving in front of me? <laughs> it's colorful and silly. I don't want this. That is why I implore you, even though I review games, don't take reviews that seriously. The true quality of a game will come in shine and come out in like five years. You'll you'll know what how good a game is in maybe five to ten years. Because going back through Retronauts, like playing fun experimental games like Echo Knight, everybody hated that game. Mm. Things like Shadow Tower, everybody yep. hated that game. Yep. Like yep. Yep. <laughs> again, game reviews are tied, they're not objective, they're tied to the expectations and cultural awareness within a very specific window of time. And that can often be very toxic to certain games that defy expectations or maybe are doing things in a strange way things like deadly premonition who everyone's like let's 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 pounce on this weird japanese game oh who's this guy think he is making a game it's so stupid but actually that game has a lot of heart it's it's a broken mess but it's got a lot of heart and i love it so again read my reviews but don't take reviews too seriously because again bioshock infinite i think it's trash but every reviewer was like best game i've ever seen in my life and then a few years later people are like you know what i didn't like it so that it, yeah. you're absolutely right i mean that does shake out that way um it's you you give it a few years and you do start to see the things that yeah you got 10 out of 10s at the time but have then totally forgotten about it's it's stated preferences versus revealed preferences exactly yeah. just completely stop talking about the games that as it turns out actually weren't that good and yet you have something like earthbound which you're right was given me mediocre reviews in the day, but, you know, today is considered this class. I will I will admit, I looked through issues of my old fanzine to see what 15-year-old me thought about <laughs> Earthbound, and I was I was ambivalent because there were some people, because we all had, you know, had our fanzines and we all traded them and reviewed Earthbound. There were some people who were like, this is the best thing ever made, and there were some people who were like, this is utter garbage. And I was like, I'm kind of in the middle on this. I, I really, really hated playing Earthbound the first time uh, that... Um, that your inventory system was limited. Mm. I hated the idea. It's like, why do I have to ba- manage my inventory? Yeah. It's such a pain in the neck. It's not necessary. Like, it's not, there's no necessary reason for this from a technological standpoint. Why can't I have 16 Muramasas like in Final <laughs> Fantasy? Right, right, right. And um, <laughs> I, I really dislike that. I didn't like the graphics because, I mean, they were deliberately simple. And I was like, I, I like colorful graphics, but like, these are, these are so simplistic that like, I didn't buy a Super Nintendo for, you know, these set of simplistic graphics. Like, wow me. I'm looking for everything to wow me technologically. I'm comparing it to Final Fantasy 3 yeah. going, you know, mm-hmm. here's a here's a role-playing game, but, like, the, the graphics were incredible. So then I, I read later issues of the fanzine, and I think a few months later I was like, you know, I'm starting to come around on this game. I think I kind of like this game. Yeah, so it was I'm very like, much like oh, whew, okay. your brain, your developing brain in the context in which the game was shown to you. And as a game... The context, re- absolutely. Yeah, and as a game review, 
here too. It's again, you're a human being and you're like, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to be the guy who's like, I don't get this. And I can go back and look at some of my early reviews where I wasn't as confident and I, I go, I would give this game like two lower points. I would give this game a C plus instead of a B plus. And mm-hmm. like, and that's why I was like really afraid to give The Witness a two out of five. I was the lowest score. I think I still am, but it's just like, I have to say I don't like this game. You're gonna like, have to. You're gonna yeah. have to file that review soon, Bob. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's uh, it was mm-hmm. just like uh, it was again a concern. Like, do I want to look like I'm stupid? So it's like I have to justify this. But mm-hmm. again, uh, don't take reviews too seriously. But you should still read my reviews. <laughs> Please read them. Remember, they're just an informed opinion. Exactly. Yeah. By yeah. someone who plays a lot of games, and they usually. will never be objective, no matter how much you uh, wish to the gaming gods. Mm-hmm. So let's do one more question before we take our uh, break, our commercial break. Mm-hmm. And uh, Barno, Barino, I, it, I, it's not me. Okay, I don't know who this is. Um, Barno writes. Uh, isn't that isn't that just an anagram of Ray Boa? No, no it's not. Ray no. B E R. Oh my God! I admit nothing. Okay. Why is Bob Mackie such an? A- oh my Jesus! Christ. Would you stop? Okay, now this is this is a real this is a real letter. Uh, he writes. He or she writes. Can you share any memorable, gratifying experiences you have had over the years, interviewing or otherwise rubbing elbows? with celebrity game developers and put on your hard hats boys are about to drop some names mm-hmm. um, I'm sure Chris I'm guessing probably has the best stories or uh, I, I don't know Michael you guys have both been in the industry longer than Ray uh, and I uh, the, the, the interview the interview that sticks out in my mind as the the best I've ever had was talking to Michel Ancel mm. uh, a few years ago when he was doing previews for Rayman Origins and like he is the nicest guy on the planet. Oh, wow. Like that's good to hear. 90, 99% of industry interviews that I've been in have involved like you know nobody really wants to be there a lot of the time. It's just sort of like okay, we're at E3. Let's let's sit down and talk about your game. You've talked to like a billion other journalists today. Uh, this is limited to 10 minutes. PRs standing there and that my interview with Michel Ancel was about an hour long <laughs> and it was just he, him and me sitting on a couch uh, along with a couple other people. Uh, Dave Rudden was also oh, there. Cool. I'm not sure if he's ever been on your show. He has a few times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we just sort of, you know, asked him questions and he, he was just very open and honest. Like he was telling us stuff that like probably he shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great interviews. <laughs> yeah. Chris, how about you? Jeez. Uh, I mean, I you know, <laughs> Man, I have had you've talked so to Miyamoto, many yeah. amazing interviews. I mean, you know, like it name name the childhood hero, and I've probably interviewed him five times mm. by now. And it's it's Mr. always T. it's well, there we go. <laughs> okay. So it's I mean, I will I will say this. I was just thinking about this recently. Nintendo. 2006 E3, they had just, when the Wii was first playable, um, they had announced the name Wii prior to E3 to essentially just sort of worldwide derision. Um, And I had written a story and I said, you know, this name is not bad. This name is not bad because they're trying to sell it to people who go into a video game store and are just like, yeah, I got to get that X cube station like you know it's like it's 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 simple it's direct and it also doesn't sound anything like the name of a video game system yeah it doesn't it's, have numbers great. in it yeah it's it's very very good for worldwide you know you couldn't call something revolution japan so i wrote this whole thing about like 
you know, look, this is why this name is actually a really good idea. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and went to the Nintendo E3 party that year, and I see Miyamoto, and I walk up to him, just like, and I'm just about to say, like, hey, how's it going? And instead, he was like, oh, Chris, I read your article. Yeah, it's really oh, great wow. that, uh, yeah. he's amazing. like, it's He's like, yeah, I, I, I read it. It was really good. Uh, I, you know, we're really, we're really thankful that, like, there's just, you know, some people out there who, uh, who understand what we're doing. And I'm just like, <laughs> I would have fainted. Like, I would nice have fainted on the floor. Yeah. Um, that absolutely is etched in my mind and stands out as a as a really great moment. I, w- I would have fainted and I would have woken up in the ambulance and he'd be holding my hand. <laughs> no, <laughs> Cradling your head in his hand. <laughs> you saved me. Shh. Uh, Ray. Kissing no, you tenderly no on talking. the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just his finger up to your lips like, no. <laughs> uh, no. And I, he's like, uh, yeah, sorry about that, guys. Uh, Ray, I think I, I think I know what you're going to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you probably know what I'm going to say. Please uh, say it, though. Okay. Well, everybody do, everybody's probably going to know because I've talked about it on podcasts about five times already. But yeah, of course, you know, I interviewed uh, Kazayabe who did hmm. uh, my summer vacation and uh, did the whole magazine about that. Scroll issue 10 if you'd hmm. like to take a look at that. And that was really fun. However, just so I don't uh, completely run the risk of repeating myself, I will mention uh, another great interview, uh, which was on my first trip to Japan, which was all of four days. We worked in a way to meet uh, Goichi Suda, a grasshopper manufacturer. And not exactly the whole interview was so great, but the fact that you know we wanted to have some fun with it. And so what we did is we knew that he was a fan of the uh, arcade game WWF WrestleFest. Ah, yeah. So we found <laughs> this old tripod, dead tripod page of some guy made a petition to bring back WrestleFest. And so we brought out the laptop and said, Suda, would you mind <laughs> signing this petition <laughs> and writing a fair message? That? that is adorable. Yeah. I like that. I like that. By uh, God, he did. I can't, I can't beat that story. Yeah. I, I just have some very, like... Um, Inexplicably, like I, I like talking to classic game developers, especially Nintendo developers. I am a Nintendo fanboy, if you couldn't tell. But um, always, when you talk to them, it's like talk about the new game. You get one question about an old game, maybe. Like yeah. uh, Tanabe, who directed Mario Two, Doki yeah. Doki Panic. I talked to him about Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which is a great game. But it's like I want to talk to you about all the things. <laughs> but um, out of the blue, for no reason, no, no events, no game. Uh, do you want to interview Koji Kondo for an hour on the phone? Um, and phone, oh. inter- phone interviews suck, by the way. Well, but yeah. I, I sucked it up and I did it. Yeah. And it was like, ask, pick his brain about anything. And I did. And it, it, that's on US Gamer. I think it's my, my most favorite interview I've done. It's like, I, I'm, I'm so happy he gave me the, the best answers. But um, in terms of face-to-face stuff. Yeah, he's, he's not really done a whole lot of interviews. I did yeah. get to, I got to talk to him when he came over for that GDC where he like played with video games live, you know, and did the Mario stuff stuff on piano. Yeah, I like, mean... That was pretty amazing. I, I still don't know how it happened. I didn't see other interviews with him at the time. I'm like, were, were, were we given a favor? Did somebody, like, shake a hand or something? But I was just like, I'm, I'm so grateful for this. Yeah. Because Jeremy could have taken it, and I'm happy he gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of just uh, recent stuff, face-to-face stuff, I will say uh, Data Tentacle people, I mean, uh, Tim Schafer is the most accessible guy. You could walk up to Double Fine interview him yourself if you want to. But just sitting on the couch with him, and I've spoken with him before, sitting on the couch with him, talking with him for an hour about the game, like, how many discs did the game have, Tim? I forget, and he just reaches over and grabs the box and opens it up. 
It's yeah. just like it's magical. It's just like and I, the fact that I can sit down with Ron Gilbert and talk to him and um, Dave Grossman, all these great LucasArts guys. They're they're very available. They're very friendly and they they want to <laughs> very lonely and uh, they love to hear me. <laughs> they keep uh, calling yeah. me. <laughs> I want to say uh, I totally totally hijacked my tropical freeze interview with Tanabe-san uh, in a way that you were not brave enough to do because I just started out that entire interview by just asking him about Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, and we just we talked about Mario 2 for a long Chris. time we talked about Mario 2 until Tanabe was was literally turned to the PR people he's like is it okay that we're that we're doing this and they were like you know Chris we are here to talk about Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze and I'm like yeah yeah I'll totally ask some questions about that game. sure thing um, the the best oh I, I, I do want to say this is this is in the story too I mean I asked Tanabe I'm like hey how did you become like the guy who goes to America because you know you did Metroid Prime you did Tropical Freeze you know you you're the Nintendo producer who goes overseas and deals with these projects like how did how did that happen he goes well I had a drinking problem and uh, they decided wow. that maybe if I were to go overseas and spend time overseas that I wouldn't like just sit around and, and drink all the time well it sounds like he dried out and in Texas then right? I, I guess he was I guess he was good yeah awesome yeah yeah I need to lose that shame Chris it's holding me back Mm-hmm. And on that note, listen to this shameless commercial, and we'll be back yeah. with some talk and letters. Friends, thanks for downloading another episode of Retronauts, and extra thanks for sitting through this commercial break. I'll be doing about one of these every month, and I think two minutes per month is not asking a lot of your time, so thanks again for sitting through this. And since I'm thanking people, thank you so much if you wrote in. I'm very sorry if we didn't get to your letter, but it was very hard to choose from all the ones we got, and I decided to make this episode completely letter-based in order to squeeze in as many as possible. So thanks again if you wrote in. So now that I've got your attention, I wanted to do a few shout-outs to some of the more unsung contributors of Retronauts, and the first one I want to give a shout-out to is the band Anamanaguchi. People have uh, still been asking us, who did your theme song? And we only mentioned it on the first episode, I believe, in 2013. So yes, it's Anamanaguchi who did our theme song, and all of their music is great. Please check them out. And if you're wondering why our cover art has looked a little different from episode 60 onwards, that's because we have a new artist doing all of our Retronauts album covers. That is my old buddy Nick Daniel, who's fantastic. I recommend you check him out at latchkeykingdom.com. He does an ongoing webcomic, and you can reach him on Twitter at P5YCH. And finally, and most importantly, I have to stress that all the Retronauts content we bring to you is brought to you by all of our great patrons at Patreon.com. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to Patreon.com slash Retronauts. For as little as $2 a month, you can get episodes up to a week in advance, and we have some great physical rewards if you want to give us more. In fact, we're about to send out our next round of t-shirts that feature a fantastic Pog-based design, so if you want to get on the next round of physical rewards, go to Patreon.com slash Retronauts. If you keep giving us money, we'll keep making the thing that you like, and I think that's a pretty good deal. Anyhow, thanks so much for sitting through this commercial break, and please enjoy the rest of the show.
we're back, and thank you so much for sitting through that informative and special ad. I know you sat through it, folks. So we have, we're moving on with our listener mail episode with another question, and this one is by someone known as Q1, who writes, what do you think about flashcards being produced for older systems? I think this ties into our preservation. Um, have, has anyone bought a flashcard? Um, I'm guessing he means yeah. like the multi, like, blow your ROM yes. this bad boy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. as a gift. But I'm yes. buy more. The, the, <laughs> yeah. uh, Cricks.com, K-R-I-K-Z-Z-Z or whatever Crikey's. it is, Crikey's.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. A, he does a Black Friday uh, sales. So, I mean, he when when Black Friday rolls around this year, uh, so this this past year I bought an NES EverDrive, a Super NES EverDrive, mm. and a uh, the Game Boy one. Cool. Um, and the, <laughs> the Game Boy EverDrive, you can put every Game Boy game of that course. was ever made on the Game How Boy EverDrive on a little the, SD um, card. Is it like 32 gig? or something? I don't even think it's measured it could, in gigs, Bob. Okay. <laughs> it's like 256 <laughs> megabytes. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, yeah, heck yes. I mean, that's what I'm playing Terranigma on, on my Super NES uh, flash drive because um, it's PAL, so it just sort of automatically converts it. Um, that's, I mean, it, but if I ever like think of a Game Boy game, I can play it on original hardware. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm going to mm. buy the rest. I'm going to buy, I'm going to get myself a Turbo EverDrive, you know, so I can play uh, Turbo Graphics and PC engine stuff That's on so original cool. hardware, I, no I, matter what game it is, no matter if that game is Magical Chase and costs $2,000. Yes. I feel yeah. slightly ignorant, but I, I'm not very aware of this world outside of, like, DS flashcards and things like mm. that. I wasn't mm. really aware of the uh, the world of, like, NES and, and you know, TurboGrafx flash drives. They're, they're doing them for a lot of different platforms wow, cool. right now. Yep, yep. How about uh, Michael and Ray? Have you guys t- tinkered with these, and what do you think of them? I haven't. I would really like to get one. Uh, I, I have a, a Neo Geo arcade cabinet. And, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. That thing is a super pain to, like, you have to, like, reach in through the, the coin uh slot thing <laughs> like open that panel reach uh, in pull uh, out the board pull up pull out the cartridge that's like this oh, giant cartridge, VHS yeah, yeah. size cartridge and then uh, slide another one in. You know, my, my arm gets cut up. Uh, yeah. it's, it's And then, like, it doesn't always work. You're bleeding it, all over the table, Michael, it please. Did, it didn't, it, well, scratched up, I should yeah. say. It, I didn't seed it right, so now I have to reach in, pull it out, and pop it back in again, maybe blow on it a bit, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're being um, attacked by spiders the entire time. Yeah, so it would be really convenient if I just had one big cartridge that had all of my games on it, and I didn't have to constantly swap it out. Mm. Yeah, and there are there are pirate, like, multi-carts uh, yeah. for, for Neo Geo, which um, which you can get somehow. I'm I sure. have mixed feelings about that. Like, I, I don't like the idea of buying games from pirates that they didn't create. Right, right, right. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess. How about you, Ray? Uh, I've only bought one as a gift. I made a custom cartridge for my friend Alex oh, for his cool. retro game bar. Was it Dragon Quest? Oh, oh why, what did you make him? I got uh, the Famicom one and just made him like a competition cartridge, which I just put a bunch of uh, like multiplayer focused uh, ROM hacks on it. And like the Rockman Challenge things that they made, and oh, uh, yeah. yeah, so because he has people over at the bar a lot, and they like to play Mega Man stuff and play all sorts of competitive things. So I did that, and like the the, the Chippendale two basketball hack, which only boots to the Chippendale ah. basketball minigame. So yeah, I just put a bunch of those hacks on there. Oh, um, that's cool. Didn't that's fill it up or anything, but yeah, it was yeah. cool. And so I mean, I I should I will probably uh, take up the next uh, Black Friday sale <laughs> and get some mm-hmm. for myself. That sounds cool. As, as for me, like I'm a Philistine, and also I, I have a small living space, so I. 
just kind of emulate everything and that's fine. And, and you shouldn't feel ashamed if you're doing it too. But if you have the room and you want to be authentic, go by all means, go for it. I think these are great solutions to tracking down carts you'll never find or carts that are being held think, by like uh, collectors. I think they're perfect for fan translations. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I would totally. get the Game Boy one for. Yeah. Totally, yep. When I first saw this uh, this question, I thought he meant, uh, re- what are those called? Those carts that are just made with a, with a translation on them or like what well, they call them game. repro. Repro, got yeah. it, yeah. Although they're like, not really reproducing anything. Exactly. I'm cool with that if it's a rare game that um, you might not ever be able to buy again and no one will ever get the money. When you start using fan translations and not giving those people money, though, it gets kind of sketchy, especially yeah, like the Mother weird. 3 translation. Like, hey, those people are still around and you can give them PayPal money. You can give them donations. But let's say you're using DJAPS, Tales of Fantasia. Like, I don't know where those people are. Maybe it's yeah, okay. You well, it's like one. You, you, you know, you shouldn't spend too much money on these things. Yeah. Like, after a while, like, people buy repros of, of, of games. And I'm like, you are kind of wasting your money. Like, it's not – the thing you own yeah. is not kind of – it, it's not intrinsically valuable. At yeah. all. It's not really a collectible. It's just a – it's a, a game that somebody put a different game on. And you're kind of wasting money by buying many of these cartridges because they're not originals in any way. And so just get an EverDrive and put all the ROMs you want on that instead of buying all these repro yeah. cards. Yeah. The one exception that I would say is like, well, I mean, I the only thing that I own is I own a repro cartridge of Star Fox 2. Cool, yeah. Because oh, wow. You have to kill a Super FX game <laughs> to make a Star Fox 2 cartridge Steal that you brain. can then play yeah. on, a, on a wow. console. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Right, right. So somebody's somebody's copy of Vortex or um, you know, Stunt Race <laughs> FX ha- or, or uh, Doom, maybe with Super FX. Something yeah, had yeah. to die for my Star Fox 2 to live, but I've gotten a lot of use out of that. When when friends come over and I'm just like, oh yeah, I have a cartridge that plays Star Fox 2. It's Man. like, whoa. I guess I wouldn't feel that bad about killing Super Nintendo Doom. Uh-huh. Right. It did. Even I, run that well to begin. I with. say leave Stunt Race FX alone. I have a real soft spot for that game. I don't know why. It's just adorable. <laughs> God, I love it. Yeah. So uh, all ten of its frames per second. Hey, yes, those, yes. every fa- frame is every glorious. Mm-hmm. And th- those those uh, those Ardman commercials ripped off uh, Stunt Race FX. Imagine making uh, headlights into eyeballs. No one would ever do that. <laughs> no, <again. Yeah>. no <laughs> one had ever thought of that. Yeah, and cars. They owe Stunt Race FX a big check. That movie. <laughs> they cars. The eyeballs were not on the headlights. Oh, the you're cars. right. Mm-hmm. Oh, they the probably were like, we don't want to get sued, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so creepy. So we have another question, uh, one by AP. I assume it's not the the defunct grocery store chain, A&P. Uh, that, no, that was a reference for no, no one, by the way. it's Associated Press. Okay, got it. Yeah. So uh, the question is, your podcast seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. <laughs> Why are you so popular? And my answer is, ooh, a tough question, but a fair one. Uh, that was actually what the person wrote, but they have a real question. I, I They just wanted me to give you the Mr. Burns line, and I did. So I hope you're happy. Uh, and my second equally real question is, with Bob th- playing through Marvelous at the moment, I'm doing that uh, live streams, and they're all on our YouTube page, by the way. Uh, I was wondering, what Japan exclusive game would you guys most likely would most like to see officially localized for the U.S.? Um, somebody has to say it. I'm going to say Mother 3. Um, I, I, I rest my case. <laughs> somebody <laughs> yeah, else must go. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. It's already translated. Please, Nintendo, just... just uh, just lower yourself to borrowing a fan translation or paying the people. I don't know. I just want to see this game playable because I love it. Um, anybody else? What, what Japanese game would you like to see localized for the U.S.? I'm guessing he means an old game, he or she. Mm. I mean, again, I'll, I'll say Seiken Densetsu 3, mm. a.k.a. Secret of Mana 2. You're taking all my answers. <laughs> yeah. 
Ray, do you have anything? I'm racking my brain. Okay. Sorry, this is going to take a while. We can return to it. <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah. wrote some things down, I thought. I oh, yeah? Fighting Vipers 2 is one of them. Okay, cool. Even though that has probably no story whatsoever. And Yeah, uh, it's also but, polarizing. What, what, yeah, was it was it a Dreamcast game? Yeah. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's on Dreamcast. Hmm. Somehow did not make it over here. Oh, hmm. also the other two chapters of Shining Force 3. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Out that's here. a good one, yeah. yeah. Are those fan translated? I thought at least one of them was. I'm 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 not sure. I think fans. so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, oh boy! But speaking of Dreamcast in chapters, how about uh, El Dorado Gate by Capcom, which is like a all seven discs. Yeah, yeah, an episodic RPG on disc. God, so weird, so weird. Yeah, I, I want to see that game in action. I've yeah. never actually looked into it outside of like a GIA preview from right, uh, right. 16 years ago, probably. So yeah, those are good answers. Let's move on to our next question. Uh, Rick writes, and uh, Rick and several other people asked this question, and I think we should tackle it because it comes up a lot on our show. Um, Rick writes, I still think of retro as meaning from my childhood, even though the time marches on and positional modifiers adapt. I don't know what that phrase means. Still, it's weird to think of games that embrace technical advances from the century as landmarks of past history. As gamers of a certain age, how do you feel about this? Uh, My answer has always been in the games press we never get a chance to talk about old things. Even even a year ago is too old to be relevant. So this is this podcast is just a way for us to talk about things that are not new. And we drew the we drew the line arbitrarily at ten years. Although I think I've broken that rule plenty of times. But really, it, it doesn't mean from your childhood. Like as we age, people are having nostalgia for different things. And some people were um, they I wouldn't say upset, but they were questioning why is Half Life Two on Retronauts? It's not a retro game. It's like for a lot of people, it is. For a lot of people just entering adulthood, it's a game they played as kids, and we can't change that. But I feel like right. this is the venue in which to talk about things that are not on the bleeding edge exactly. of video games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how do you guys feel about retro? I feel like. I have accepted that people are nostalgic for things that um, I was a surly adult already, you know, when they came out. I don't know if you feel the same way or if you feel like retro is like, no, no 3D is retro. Like, do you, do you draw lines anywhere? No. No, raise <laughs> No, because no. I'm not an asshole. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yes. I used to be like that. I used to be like, what are these people thinking that they're retro for having played Mortal Kombat in the 90s? Everybody did that. <laughs> I've gotten all those hate mails yeah, exactly. from you, Michael. I mean, this is yeah, a... I'm sorry. I, I don't know. This topic seems to be coming up a lot. And it I, does, Because yeah. you said you got multiple questions about it. And it's like, I think there's just... <laughs> Like uh, a new wave of uh, threatened people <laughs> feeling like <laughs> they need I mean, again, like some feelings way. are normal. They will pass eventually. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. When, yeah, yeah. If, no, it's, I it's could, true. It's a phase. If I could overcome the horror of thinking of the Nintendo 64, my first system in college being retro. <laughs> yes, exactly. Then, then you can too when yeah, it happens yeah. to the PS2. Yeah. And I feel that – Right. Um, if I could just excise every <laughs> opinion I had between the years like 15 and, and 20 – Four mm-hmm. and just pretend I never had any of those opinions. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Unfortunately, a lot of those uh, are on the internet, aren't they? Right, yeah, exactly. I'm living that hell, too. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, um, and no offense to Joe M., I mean, it's an honest question, and, and everyone's coming from a good place, but I feel like um, a lot of people use that discussion as a form of gatekeeping, which is common in any hobby. Like, this, no, I'm more authentic. No, no, I'm more authentic. Yes, yeah, but oh, yeah, totally. that conversation is not productive, nor is a conversation about the arbitrary meaning of words. I mean, words are fluid, um, meaning can change, and people, I got another question that's like, um, why do game reviewers and game writers use the word title uh, as a a synonym for game? Are they ashamed of saying game? But it's really like we have so few words to use in talking about video games. So whenever... you say game over and over again, it's so repetitive. Exactly. (laughs) And whenever I hear an editor, uh, and I've worked with good editors for most of my life, but whenever I hear an editor make arbitrary like, don't use this word, don't use that word, like I only have so many words to use, please don't take more words away from me. So (laughs) title, game, experience, um... 
product release. Like these are all things that we use in our writing, or at least I do, to make sure I'm not being repetitive. That's the worst thing you can commit as a writer outside of just com- being completely un- unintelligible, like the way I talk. Um, yeah. It's not the worst uh, sin uh, you can commit as a writer. Well, but, personally, it's the worst. It is something yeah. that you want to work out yeah. in, the, in the editing process. And in terms of like yeah. surface level issues, I think it's like the most noticeable thing for any reader. But in terms of like like bottom level issues, in terms of like meaning and arguments and stuff like that, it, it's not as, as severe. If yeah. you're not, yeah, if you're not writing about it, if you're not doing a podcast about it, you're probably just more sensitive of that surface level stuff. And it's just like, what does it all mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people have gotten prickly about the word title. Like, why do we call these titles? It's, again, it's like, just please give me synonyms. I need synonyms. <sighs> yeah. I, you know, I mean, everybody has everybody has their own, like, uh, pet peeve word that they hate. Exactly, hearing. yeah. I'm mm-hmm. sorry that's yours, but, you know, it happens. I know editors, and not to go on too long about this, but I know editors <laughs> that, um, I'm not going to name them, but uh, some of them are like, never say the game. And as someone who mm-hmm. taught English mm-hmm. and someone who has a master's degree, of the same exactly. Yeah. As yeah. someone who taught English, someone who studied English for a long time, I know these rules are taught to people so they can't be abused. So if you teach someone something is okay, it becomes an easy crutch for them to keep falling back on. And mm-hmm. I've read those reviews that are like, the game does this, the game does that. So if you tell a writer never do this, you eliminate yeah. that issue entirely. But in um, using it responsibly, I think it's fine. Just like using to, a, to a, go to a writer and say, "Yeah, hey, you're banned from using this word." It's to try to break them out of the rut of using exactly, it. It doesn't yeah. mean that no one can ever use it. It's sort of a personal thing between the editor and the writer. I've banned people from using m dashes, from setting things off in mm. sentences with m dashes, because they would write an 800 word piece that would contain five phrases that yeah. were set off in m dashes, and they would never set a phrase off in commas, and they would never set a phrase off in, in, in parentheses and I was just like you're banned from using M dashes yeah uh, you can see how and, it could be a crutch for some writers and if I want to yeah. put them back into your story I will but you're banned from using them <laughs> but again this is getting too inside baseball I think but uh, so back to uh, retro yeah 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 again I think we are now arguing about the meaning of words but again I think that um, just enjoy the fact that this can exist and that we can talk about things and don't worry too much about if something is old enough because the fact that I mean who else is talking about um, um, like, uh, we just did a SimCity episode. Who is talking about SimCity? For I mean, there's no anniversary. There's no new game. We're just let's, let's sit down and talk about SimCity. So yeah. it's a good way to talk about things that aren't tied into like a, a sale or like a, a new product or a, a current conversation. Just like we can do this, and that's that's fun. I think. Yeah. So we have another question. Uh, we have Joey M who writes. I recently heard that M2 may be able to start working on Sega Saturn or Dreamcast ports. What do you think of the chances of this happening are, and what are some games from the era you'd be interested in seeing M2 tackle? I'd personally love a chance to take on Burning Rangers for a fair price. And I I agree with Joey. Uh, That game looks cool, but I will never play it unless I get another version of it. And I think M2 is so tied into Sega and working with Sega and making these games shine again that I I, this, I think this is a real possibility. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I mean, they've had such a great working relationship and, and have brought back so many games that, like, New moving on. I mean, again, like we are moving into an era in which people are nostalgic for Sega, Saturn, and Dreamcast, as we are nostalgic for Super Nintendo. So, you know, to start capitalizing on that, start bringing these games back, it would be great to have somebody as good as M2 essentially working on this this kind of stuff. So, it, it makes a lot of sense that they might begin to do that. And then, once you nail Saturn emulation or Dreamcast emulation for one game, you know, that kind of extends to the rest of the library, so you can start bringing that stuff out again. So, yeah, fingers crossed. That would be great to see. I mean, just to be able to go onto Steam and just get Panzer Dragoon Saga and Burning Rangers yeah. and uh, all the other, you know, the Saturn games. I'd and, love to yeah. see Burning Rangers cleaned up a bit, because my memories of that game oh, God, at yeah. the time, like, this this is great, but it looks so rough. 
It's not worth like the three hundred dollars that you have to oh, pay yeah. for. Oh no, yeah. absolutely not. No. But yeah, it pushed the system a bit, and so yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they did a lot of crazy uh-huh. stuff with Burning Rangers, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> lots of lots of tape and string on some mm-hmm. of those parts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we have a question from Daniel J, who writes in to say, uh, given our current age of remake slash reboots, is he a rapper? Uh, oh, uh, that was unintentional. <laughs> He's a Barney Brubble style rapper in that case. So, given our current age of remake slash reboots. <laughs> Which games have received the best treatment? Worst? Which games, uh, in general or specific, are most deserving of a remake or a reboot? Anyone have anything that comes to mind immediately? I have a few uh, really good remakes and a, uh, maybe one or two really bad remakes in mind. Mm. Shoot. Well, I can say that, um, again, I think Resident Evil, uh, that remake is sort of the definitive remake. It not only oh, yeah. um, updates the game for a more playable experience, but it also screws with what you know about it. And I think that's the best feature of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I also say, like, uh, Day of the Tentacle had a fantastic remake. The way they treated that that product was amazing. Um, and uh, as far as bad remakes go, I think the, uh, unfortunately, the Gabriel Knight uh, remake was not very good. Um I, I can't go into specifics here because I just I read about it a lot at the time and I and I was like oh man did they did that to that game but um mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry I can't go on anymore about that but um and I remember Wild Arms the first game had a really bad remake for PS2 um did I it? think it was called Wild Arms Alter Code F oh wow yes. Yes. and uh, I just remember being like this is bad like mm-hmm. I I'll just go play Wild Arms again yeah that didn't so, really need right. to happen it, it works on my PS2 I just plug it right in yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah it just looked like yeah. a, just a sparse ugly game to me so um any well, any good remakes I heard really bad things. About about the Silent Hill 2 remake, especially, that Konami did a few years ago. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. the HD pack thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was notoriously um, just in terms of, I guess they didn't have a lot to work with. But again, some people didn't like the re-recorded voices. I think there was a lot of attachment to some of the, even some of the bad voices from 2 and 3, because those were not all professional mm-hmm. actors in that game. So, yeah, but again, the, they couldn't get the fog right. So you were seeing things that you weren't supposed to see, like the hard edges of geometry of yeah. things that were supposed to be shrouded in fog, like the edge of water and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody else? Any, any, any remakes you like? Any remakes you hate? I, well, I haven't yet played Adventures of Mana, which is the remake of the first Seiken oh, Nintendo. Yeah. Oh, is that new? Uh, it is. They, okay. they did a version for mobile and Vita in Japan, and oh, then they're bringing it out, or they brought it out on mobile in the U.S., and then have not brought the Vita version over at all. Um, and they're also doing Romancing Saga 2, same yeah. thing, that's going to be on Vita in Japan, and then they're 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 doing a whole English translation for it uh, for mobile, but they're not committing yet to bringing over the Vita version at all. It's like, I kind of want buttons before I want to play these Me games. too, yeah. The yeah. second you said mobile, I was like, I want buttons for this. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I will uh, say, I started playing the new Ratchet and Clank the other week, and mm-hmm. I was very impressed with it. Oh, Just is that a remake of, of the first game? It is, yeah. Okay. Although it's it's not, it's like a reimagining of the first game. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Based on the movie. What I've heard, Michael, is that the game looks better than the movie in terms of... I think of the, I've said that, actually. Oh, you have? Okay, <laughs> maybe I heard it from you then. Uh, but, I, I, I mean, it, it's very disappointing, the movie. Uh, I mean, I, I think that was striking while the iron was in the landfill because Ratchet and Clank... <laughs> right, right, It's right. a great, worthwhile game. Uh-huh. Don't get me wrong, it's a great series. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, like, yeah. It, was, it reached its peak in, like, 2004 in terms of popularity. Yeah. It, it seems like Hollywood sits on these ideas, like, let's make it alone in the Dark movie in 2003, mm-hmm. or let's let's make a uh, Resident Evil movie. It's like they, very, they very late. sign the deal, yeah. and then it's like they 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 gets to the point where the deal is going to um, is going to de- default, right? You know, the deal is going to be over, and it's like, uh, quick, make the movie that yeah. we have the rights to. Yeah. We're going to see the Halo movie in like 2030. Yeah, by the time mm-hmm. uh, you know. What's that studio's name again? 343? 343. Yeah, by the time they move on to a new franchise, we'll get the Halo movie with, like, uh, Will Smith Jr. Jr. Assassin's Creed movie this year. Not... 
Really? Michael can't say anything about that. <laughs> he's he's clammed up. <laughs> it's, it's I liked the trailer. Hey. Okay. Well, you know, uh, we were talking about M2. Uh, what they did with Fantasy Zone 2 was really cool. Because mm. that was originally a Master System game. Then they made their own, like, uh, quote-unquote fantasy version of it for the Sega arcade hardware of the 90s. So it was basically a remake of an old game on old hardware, which they then ported to the 3DS wow. uh, for the for the for the new uh, uh, right, right, re-releases. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then also added a cool uh, like endless mode to that game as well. M2 so. is great. Yeah, they're, they're they the should, best. Like yeah. Japan should declare them a national treasure uh-huh. so that they can never go out of business. Sometimes yeah. though, it hurts my it breaks my heart when I see them uh, giving a game a treatment that doesn't deserve it and uh, get ready for the hate mail torrent to come in. But Echo the Dolphin really M2 oh, wasted their time well, on Echo. Yeah, I know a lot of people treasure that game, but I just think it's a I think bad game. Part of that, you also have to understand what Sega Otakuism is like over in Japan. Uh, I see. Well, like, is, is Echo a big deal in Japan? Well, it's more like the Mega Drive was not that huge in Japan necessarily, and so Sega fans in general are just sort of uh, obsessed, and so they were more responsive to these sort of artsy games that sort of came from America, like. Uh, they just like they released the ooze and they just gave it this box art that just doesn't it's like just, it's a cool looking box but <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with the game itself huh. when yep. you look at it that's weird so they really hmm. yeah they just treat those sorts of things like uh, curios out there right well Bob you'll be, you'll be happy to know I just read a news story M2 is going to be doing a, uh, a, a port of uh, Bioshock Infinite next <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so exciting yeah. my favorite retro game <laughs> yeah. uh, it is retro no it's not yeah. um, FM Town's Marty I will say Klonoa, <laughs> the Klonoa remake I did like for the Wii but I mean oh, yeah. that was when yeah. you couldn't play the original yeah. on uh, PSN. So it was kind of one to You mean the Klonoa yeah. relapse? Uh-huh. <laughs> relapse? Oh, God. <laughs> but I'm glad they didn't redesign Klonoa because that would have been a mistake. Uh, so we have Matthew who writes in to say, this is about Final Fantasy VIII. He says, uh, my question ah. is, why do you feel there are such mixed opinions on this game? I personally loved it, but I played it at a time when I related to Emo Squall at the ripe age of 14. I feel this game may be similar in a sense to reading Catcher in the Rye. Depending on your age and life experience, your reception on it can change. And that's from Matthew. Um, who wants to uh, – I, I have plenty of opinions on this, but does anyone else? Well, well, you know, Andrew Andrew Vestal, uh, uh, you know, friend of the show and um, uh, Final Fantasy expert, uh, has, has definitely been coming back around, I think, on Final Fantasy VIII as of late. Um, and uh, it, it, he, you know, he he makes some good points. I mean, it really it really is uh, an, an interesting story about moody high school kids that maybe doesn't hit you uh, when you're a moody high school kid. You think, wow, these people are real jerks. But like, you know, when you kind of look back on it like an adult, you you kind of understand a little bit more about yeah, the, yeah. the you have the perspective to to bring to it. Um, I. I didn't mind Final Fantasy VIII. I just basically hated the fact that I got to the end boss, couldn't beat the end boss, and I was like, what do I do? And someone's like, uh, you should melt down your Gilgamesh uh, card. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have a Gilgamesh card because I didn't play that card game because that's dumb. Yeah. I didn't buy this to play a card game. They're like, <laughs> well, you're going to have real trouble beating this end boss then. I'm like, F this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, that, was my, that was my experience. That was part of what I didn't like about the game was like <laughs> the, the uh, accentuation of that card game. And like, I yeah, didn't really try like this. It. But I think also like – uh, speaking as a Final Fantasy fan at the time, like going from six to seven felt like a very natural progression. Like it, it had kind of a cutesy art style, but mixed with this world where like you had magic and technology and it was – seven was grittier than six. But at the same time, it kind of kept the spirit of fun that I think had been behind the Final Fantasy games at that point. And eight uh, – 
tonally was like it felt like a huge shift for me. It's like these characters are just kind of moody and and serious. I don't really there was no place for Moogles anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like this, yeah. the things that I like about Final Fantasy aren't being represented mm. here. This yep. is something completely different, and I'm I'm not really it's it's not clicking with me. I, I played through when I was a moody 17-year-old at the time, and I, I kind of fumbled my way through it, and I was like, this is okay. But when I went back to play it in 2010, uh, just inexplicably, I was probably unemployed, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, I know how to break the game now, and this makes it much better. Like, um, getting the aura spell, which gives you your limit break instantly. I killed the last boss in one hit, Chris. That's how you do it. Yeah, you, yeah, just, yeah, you, yeah. you break the living hell out of the game, and then yep. you break it over your knee. Yep. I will say, I, I do like... <laughs> Take it out behind the woodshed. <laughs> I do like the mundanity of the school setting and, like, um, the early part of the story. Uh, eventually, the story goes way off the rails and to like a crazy, on the, on the scale of Xenogears, like what? what? Really? This is happening now? Like monsters are falling from the moon and uh, yeah, like I followed it up to a point but I was like, I really wish you would have kept that, that that really charming mundanity for this, this school lifestyle but they had to have the Final Fantasy twist where it's like, no, it's a great evil and this and that and like, oh, come on. Yeah. Um, uh, luckily, Final Fantasy IX saved that for like the last five minutes. So Right, yeah. right, right. Well, that's the, you know, that's the ending of the classic Final Fantasy game where you get to the end and the, the, the antagonist that you've been fighting the entire time is like, oh, I'm not the end boss. Yeah. The end boss is this formless blob that yes. you know, heretofore unseen. <laughs> People complained about that with 9, but I'm like, have you never played Final Fantasy right. before? I mean, right. the most most of the games are kind of like you, that. You literally, at the end of Final Fantasy 4, you know, consider yeah. one of the best Final Fantasy games, it's like, oh, oh no, 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 I'm your, I'm your cousin, or whatever. We're fighting like, this guy now. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're fighting Blobby over here. How about you, Rafe? Uh, Final Fantasy A, any opinions on this I'll one? I'll just say... There's mixed opinions on every Final Fantasy game. That's true. That is true. Yeah. That is very true. I don't think and there's a consensus the, on any of them. The rankings, you know, are, are kind of getting shifted around as the years go on. I mean, again, yes. like Final Fantasy V was considered this, like, black sheep. But, like, now it's kind of like, it's like, you know, maybe sort of Dark Horse contender for best Final Fantasy. Yeah, and I think the same thing with uh, Nine. actually. I remember the Penny Arcade comic at the time where the two characters were like, which one was Nine again? Did the guy have a water sword or a tail or something? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, was this, it was this nothing game released in the PS2s, like, in, during PS2 Mania. Like, yeah. who cares about this? Yeah, let's, right. play, let's play new games. Yeah, but I, so, I yeah. loved Final Fantasy Nine. And oh, I, I oh, felt like too. that was a return back to what I did like about Final yeah. Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I agree with you, Michael. I, some people saw it as cynical, but I'm like, they're referencing games we never got. It's not cynical for us. It's just like, I don't know what this Final Fantasy three reference is right, right. now. Yeah. It hadn't even... It, it, it's, it's not like it was like... It hadn't been long enough for yeah. it to be a cynical, nostalgic it was, look back at the past. It was only past. Uh, like yeah. 10 years old or 13 years old. It was still old. the yeah. 90s. Exactly. We were still just... Yeah. <laughs> God, that's so funny.
so we have another question here. I just Come wanted on. some black mages. Exactly. That's all I it wanted in my life. It hadn't been that long. It gave you so many black mages. Yeah. Almost too many, but <laughs> still not enough for me. So Stephen F. writes, uh, does the Retronauts team have any fond memories of playing demo discs? Any demos that you played until the disc was worn out? Any franchises you may have missed out on had you had not experienced it on a demo disc? I will say that I subscribed to PC Gamer for like five years, and until I left Ohio, I kept all the demo discs inexplicably. But the, the, the era of the PC Gamer demo disc was great. There would be like 15 games on a disc, and like, what is yeah. this? What is that? Oh, my God, this is so strange. I mean, the PlayStation demo discs were great. It was usually like five, three to five games maybe. But the PC Gamer demo disc, I have the greatest memories of yes. just like trying the I, weirdest stuff on there and just like being amazed. So, um, Brett, Brett, you seem to be I, on board with I this. I got a lot of mileage out of PC Gamer, that's for sure. Yeah. I played the mm. first level of Thexter 95 oh, more wow. than I can count. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the kind of demo discs that I always liked were the ones that often came in, came with the, uh, excuse me, the systems uh, came packed in because, you know, that was like, <laughs> in some cases, that was like the only games you get to play for a couple months after you bought this 200, 300 dollars. That's system. true, yeah. It's like I'll play too extreme again because <laughs> yeah. I have to. <laughs> yeah. So that was, you know, kind of a nice uh, thing that they would throw in there. Uh but, yeah, I mean, gosh, there is there there is demo disc nostalgia for sure. There's PlayStation Underground. People loved those for a long time. Uh, my God. Uh, there's even like uh, – well, I think there's a, there's a guy now who does a blog about Japanese demo discs called wow. uh, Demo Bon. And uh, <laughs> he just covers all these things that he picks up from auctions and stuff and just writes about them. So, yeah. So it's another, it's another window into like what was going on in Japan. Um, yeah, I uh... – I remember um, thinking that, that this was really cool, and this was totally going to become a thing, that Working Designs put out the, the Lunar Demo Disc, oh, yeah. um, that you played through the first hour of the game on the demo disc, and then you imported mm. your save into the retail yeah. version. Now everything um, does that. Ex- except there was a, a bug, and if you did something, <laughs> oh, no. it would like cause you to not be able to finish the game or something like that. It, it also, uh, in the sound test, uh, it, to- it told you by the name of a song who the secret villain was. But, I mean, look at the color. Oh, you know right. that guy's a bad guy. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, but I it, certainly the the demo disc that got the most play in my in in my house was not even by me. It was uh, my brother playing the first Tony Hawk's Pro Skater oh. uh, on the PlayStation One demo disc, and he played that demo disc for as long as some people play video games. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he really like That's I mean, awesome. literally like 10, 15 hours on that demo disc. Uh, Final Fantasy Eight. Which oh. I played more than the actual game. I, I played that disc a lot. But uh, I, I, I have to say, I'm surprised none of you have called out Metal Gear Solid 2. I, I, I had so much to talk about with PC demo disc, but yeah. that was one of mine too, yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms yeah. of just like replaying the hell out of that thing. Mm. Yeah. And, and also, since you guys brought up PC Gamer, I will say I was a subscriber to its Dark Twin Mac Addict <gasps> for many years, and I would get these Mac demo discs. And so I discovered some uh, early games, uh, Pathways into Darkness, oh, cool. Marathon was a big one, uh, by Bungie, which would later go on to make Halo. Of course, and, yeah. yeah. Never yeah. heard of it. And, of course, the demo disc that was packed in with Zone of the Enders uh, was very – I mean, I think everyone bought Zone of the Enders because it's it's a barely finished game. Yeah. But there is so much more to do in that Metal Gear Solid 2 demo disc. Right. And it's like what some people yeah. would call the best part of the game, the, the, the part of the game with the most interactable objects, the most, like, weird, strange things you can do. I think they put the most work into that uh, that ship that ship level in Metal Gear Solid 2. I definitely mm-hmm. think when what was the game that came with uh, the the Square and oh I think like Parasite Eve came with a 
bunch of demos. I think Brave Fencer Musashi. Oh, yeah. A bunch yeah. of demos. I'm trying to think of games that I bought and the first thing I did was pop in the demo Didn't, didn't they do a thing with. Where, with like Final Fantasy 7 or 8 where they had multiple demo discs that would come with different games? Tobal number one had the Final Fantasy VII demo, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a lot of people bought Tobal number one. You mean, just mul- you mean multiple Fantasy demos of the same game? Multiple demos of the same game, but they'd be packaged with different games. Yeah, like Square one, was Square was yeah. doing a lot of yeah. that in the U.S. They they you'd buy a game and it would have like a demo disc with like four. Yeah, yeah. And the, the Summer of Adventure. Demos. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, Resident Evil Two demo disc on the director's cut was a big deal. I mean, I played that one a lot, a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. I played that mm-hmm. one a lot. So we have another question from Neil, and he says, what are your favorite B-tier games, games that you adore or that didn't receive a lot of attention for whatever reason? I think I've done a few episodes about these, but things like uh, weird, like, things like Echo Knight, a first-person horror adventure game. Um, And I also love uh, Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures. It's like... I was just so fascinated by that game, and I was like, why do people hate this? It's I, I know Pac-Man 2, that carries a lot of baggage, that title, but it's this weird interactive cartoon that was made to, like, embrace a, the, the burgeoning multimedia format mm-hmm. so, on a cartridge. So, like, having an interactive cartoon was a new and fun thing, but everyone was like, what is this crap? And I was like, it's fun. Come on, guys. Uh, how about you, Every, everybody? B-tier games. Um, I, I will say I really did like Echo Knight on PS1 oh, cool. as well. Like I thought that was a really effective horror game in, in the terms of, uh, you know, you're just running from something that's very slowly following you. Uh, Clock Tower was another one in that. Oh, game. yeah. I like Clock Tower. And, and yeah, Clock Tower 3 I actually really liked for the first half. <laughs> but that's that's one I think nobody really played when it came out. I don't think so either. Didn't it come out at the same time as Haunting Ground? They had very yes. sim- super similar super premises. Super similar. Yeah. You're, you're a defenseless teenage girl. And both published mm-hmm. by Capcom. Yes. Jesus. That's Around weird. At the same time. That's yeah. really weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, like, the Godfather game, I remember that came out, and I think everybody dismissed it as a cynical movie tie-in. And it actually had an interesting story of its own. That Like, the idea was, no, you're a character who exists behind the scenes of the Godfather movie, so you're seeing this parallel story that, you know, runs alongside the movie. But Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting. That's cool. Chris. What, just any any B tier game, like uh, game. an unsung game you think is uh, undervalued, maybe, in, oh. in terms of retro? Ninja Blade. Um, <laughs> pass, come back to me. So. Do you have anything, Rick? I only play C tier games. <laughs> <laughs> you elitist. <laughs> yeah. Or defeatist, who knows? Uh, I will say I love the NES game, Totally Rad. Okay, I, yeah. I think that oh, is wow. like literally an A tier game, but people are like, oh, this the the whole like gnarly eightiesification of the dialogue is people can't get past that. What but was it's the a, original Japanese game, Magical something? Magic, Magic John. Yeah, Magic, Magic John. John. <laughs> but uh they totally redid it to look like look like Ted from Bill and Ted. But it's it's a fun like little action platform where you can change forms and you have spells and stuff. Like I, I enjoyed the hell out of that as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um I guess I mean I think Eternal Darkness is an excellent game. I think mm. it kind of gets a oh, lot yeah. of unfair crap now for some reason, but like is B tier? No, I don't think it. I think it was it was definitely triple A at the yeah. time in terms of the amount of uh, attention that was put into it. But like when I see people discuss it, it's like, oh, that game wasn't very good. But oh, it was but fantastic. Like, yeah. What are they talking? Yeah, about? I don't know. Yeah, what a bunch of idiots. I think <laughs> the the sins of Silicon Knights uh, are kind of making 
like poisoning their older good games, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, after Eternal Darkness, they did not exactly have a good nope. run there. No. <laughs> they had two good games in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Miles writes, and I like this question. He says, who's your waifu? Uh, I mean, seriously. <laughs> Feel free to make fun of the concept of waifus, which is perfectly justified. Character writing for female characters in retro games is generally tricky and tends to verge on the manipulative sexist and titillating. But sometimes it worked despite itself and produced female characters, which, while not off, while often not much more than a passive assortment of traits and tropes geared towards a certain demographic, still worked. They may have had something about them that made you go, well, I like her a bit more than that other girl. I wouldn't mind having a real-life girlfriend who's kind of sort of maybe like that character in some way or another. And that's what Miles wants to know. Who's my waifu? I will tell you, Miles, it's adult Rydia from Final Fantasy IV. Ooh. Um, I was like, I like this lady. <laughs> and um, and then when the DS remake came out, they made, like, super sexy uh, CG renderer for him. Like, this is too sexy. Like, get this away from me. Right. Uh, and I've, I've uh, yeah, um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do anything creepy with these thoughts, by the way. I just think she's an attractive character, and I think that's my, that's my waifu. Are we too afraid to say what our waifus are? I'm getting these things. No, no, so no, many no, to just, choose from. I'm yeah. just trying to think of who my waifu is. Yeah. Notice yeah. I said adult Rydia, you pervs. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. guess, yeah. Uh, what was her name? Oh, so I can still say child Rydia? Oh, uh, okay, cool. Okay, you can have that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, what is uh, the character's name? I think Joe from Kendo Rage, the uh, the teenage girl who transforms into sure. a Kendo, Kendo, oh, okay. Kendo, Kendo superhero. <laughs> a can- also a Kendo superhero. Yeah. Okay. Wait, is, is she a can- she's a Kendo Kendo super, superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hard to say. She's, she is. She doesn't. She doesn't even want to be a superhero. It's just sort of thrust upon her by a strange guy who ambushes her as she's walking home from school. And this game sounds really creepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Getting what, thrust upon by a strange guy. I would have Kendo Rage too if that happens. Right. Yes. <laughs> Kendo Rage Two is like a, a one-on-one fighting game, and I saw that. And oh I'm like, yeah. Eh, I'm not so interested in this. Do you, do you, have you decided on your waifu yet, Chris? Chris, I, Chris has a real waifu, and so does Michael. Well, we really, in my household, we we really uh, we like Parappa the Rapper quite a bit. So mm. I mean, I'll just say, you know, I'm I'm Parappa, and my wife is Sunny Funny. Okay, you know, I never thought Sunny and Funny then, was a very well realized character. Myself, no, no, no. Oh, Parappa, I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> she did get she did get harassed. She did get sexually That's true. harassed. Joe Chinchin in that jail. Game. Yeah. No, it was the other whatever that guy is. The guy is uh, guy's a real jerk. Mm. That's a yeah, that Bias he never incident. got a name, did he? It's no, that like, bullet's like that no. goes like, yeah, yeah, that right, guy. right, right. That guy, that yeah. guy, that guy. Ray, are you are you too afraid of this? No, I'm not. I'm just honestly trying to think. I I'm mean, gonna, I'm gonna put this also out. say Lammy as long as we're talking okay, about Ma- stuff. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, Michael, yeah, yeah. we're gonna have to fight now because <laughs> I was gonna say Lammy and she's mine. Oh, okay. Well, you can have her. That could well, make, okay, well, 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 you can have Rammy. That could make oh, me a furry, but uh, who knows? Uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed of my yeah, Lammy love. I'll take Rammy. I'm kind of into goth girls anyway. Oh, so. Damn it. Well, as someone who is also the same age as the Final Fantasy VIII cast, I guess Renoa counts. Yeah, she's a cutie. She's real cutie. And she's still a sparkle in my eye for Ayane from Dead or Alive. Gosh darn it. <laughs> She'll never call me back. Yeah. So are you happy, Miles? We ruined our reputations on the internet. <laughs> this, is, this is all so terrible. Uh, now, now people know I'm a furry, and I, I, I think the Rydia thing's okay, though. So let's all, let's all move that's on with our sure. lives. Right. Uh, Superboy Alan writes, longtime Retronauts listener, mm-hmm. um, since you guys have an interest in Japanese RPGs, and since some of you have pursued learning the Japanese language and use that knowledge to experience games that never came over here, I'm interested it's in hearing, all I use it for. <laughs> I'm interested in hearing about your experience with learning Japanese when you got started, with what your motivations were, and how you went about picking up new words or kanji. And if you have any awkward or interesting stories from the process of learning something that's so different from English. And that's from Superboy Allen. And none of us are that guy who asked Miyamoto a question in Japanese. So uh, that thing that's, I think that's the most awkward story. You might was, be listening. Though. Was that Miyamoto? 
That was me and my Okay, sorry, you're forgiven, yeah. and I, I know what it's like to be excited to meet a guy, and I, I feel bad for that guy, but I'm sure he I'm sure he's gotten over it by now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know his name. Uh, uh, anybody have, I, like, I just learned Japanese from anime. Like, I know what words mean based on the context mm. in, in which they're spoken in anime. So I can have an anime fight if, if that ever happened to me in real life. I, could, I know what, I would know what words to scream. But other than that, um, I, I, my what girlfriend. What words would you scream? I would say to me or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, things like that. I don't yeah. want to say anymore. But uh, my my girlfriend does know a lot of. Uh, she knows all the like the kana and stuff, and she knows some kanji. So like, if I'm playing something or reading something, I'm like, "What's this?" And she'll tell me. So I've got like a uh, like a Siri sitting next to me, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's good. Uh, I think Chris, um, you, you it, it is it is Siri. Right? Yeah. Your yeah. girlfriend is actually. <laughs> yes, I'm dating Siri. Uh, <laughs> You gotta see what she looks like, guys. Uh, Chris, I, I take it that you learned. It seems like you learned. Uh, I mean, this totally happened. Yeah, I, I imported Final Fantasy V in 1995 because I really wanted to play it. It was like this lost Final Fantasy game that had been lost for you know two years at that point. Um, and uh, I did not know Japanese, so I kind of got myself a you know dictionary and uh, basically started writing down on loose leaf paper like translating words that were in katakana out of the game. So I could say words like potion or <laughs> itemu or tento, which Swoldo. really help a lot in uh, casual conversation. Um, and uh, that was how I first started learning. And then I started taking classes. And uh, but, but, yeah, first Japanese word I ever learned was... Uh, Potion. Oh, cool. Yeah. Now you can order those those foul Final Fantasy drinks that aren't in production anymore. <laughs> oh, God. I have had those. Yeah. Those are the worst. It's like drinking, like, chi- it, a child's perfume it, or something. It, it, yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. It looks, they look like Windex, and they taste like cough medicine. You wish they taste like Windex. Um, <laughs> Michael or Ray, any, any kind of Japanese knowledge? I think uh, Michael's confessed to his uh, weeaboo past, and yeah, uh, I, I mean, I a, have to. I was a very high-caliber weeb in <laughs> high school. Uh, super into anime, Japanese games. And yeah. I think it was Japanese games that, like, clued me into uh, anime and, like, manga. I started reading all this stuff. But I uh, took Japanese in high school. And looking back, I'm my mind is a little blown because I grew up in this hick town. It's like, how did our high school offer <laughs> Japanese I'm, classes? I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Where they were like, oh, the Japanese are going to eat us alive. We might as well teach the children how to speak to their, yeah, their future I, managers. I, I, I honestly, I have a theory. It's a reductious way to put it. <laughs> I, have, I have a theory because, uh, and I'm going to get into a deep cut about my high school here. Okay. Where my, was this, by the way? Huh? Where was your so high school? So I, I grew up in a town in Washington called Richland. Okay. And uh, the high school that had the Japanese classes was uh, the Richland High School, home of the Bombers. Mm. Bombers were the, the, the mask or the team, and the mascot was a giant mushroom cloud coming out of a no, car. Oh, no! That and is, in the 80s... That is something this, else. This caused a major uh, kerfuffle. I can't imagine. With <laughs> Japan, and they, like, sent delegates over to talk to people, and oh, the, the high school was like, no, we're not going to oh. change this because we're run by a bunch of angry World War II vets. Oh my goodness! We're gonna die on this hill. This, yeah, this mascot exactly. hill. This is yeah. the one. Yes. Yeah, it's still there. And then like, oh it, Jesus! No, is it still their mascot? Yeah. Wow. As far as I know, I went. I went back in the mid two thousands, and yeah, it's still there. I mean, there are a lot of you can you know, still buy t shirts when you go to like Seattle. You know, when you mm-hmm. go to Seattle Airport, all the messages are in English and Japanese, right? Like, there's a yeah. lot of Japanese because it's so close. Yeah, you go. You and, from well, Japan, there, you're in Washington. There no, is no need to go any further. There is a historical tie also because uh, this area was where the Hanford nuclear plant was, which was where they manufactured uh, the plutonium for the first atomic bomb. Dear Lord, sure. <laughs> That's it's a, a very new. It was in the eighties, especially. This was a very 
nuclear centric town. Like you can see Gosh. atoms on all the signs. Okay, like, okay. Fallout. Like that. That was okay. The, dec- so the they, background decor of my childhood. So they didn't just completely, you know, pluck it out of the air no, for no, no reason. But I, I but think still, I think it was probably yeah. part of some sort of goodwill thing. Then it's like, okay, well, we'll offer Japanese classes wow. and Jesus. cultural exchange. Yeah, something. we're not going to change our mascot. Yeah. But I, anyway, I, uh, I did very badly in those classes. <laughs> okay, I, I memorized the hiragana alphabet, and as soon as I took it for two years, did badly, and as soon as I graduated, I forgot it. Aww. I took Japanese again in high school, again, memorized hiragana, and it fell out of my mind almost as soon as I finished that class. So I'm fine with the atom iconography, but maybe don't reference the nuclear holocaust that happened yeah, within the past that 50 was, years. It's the mushroom yeah. cloud, but they've, <laughs> it, like in the 90s, they started saying like, oh, no, we call ourselves the bombers because of the day's pay, which is this bomber that uh, – this bomber plane that like Hanford nuclear workers, everybody donated a day's pay to help – uh, fund for the U.S. Army during World War II, and it's like, and what do those bombers do? That's exactly. kind of an apocryphal story. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but you still right. have the mushroom cloud as your mascot, so this is an incomplete God. whitewashing effort. I was not expecting it to get that dark. Yeah, at sorry. all. No, no, no. I was like, oh, that that's inappropriate. And I was like, that's really inappropriate. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> So thanks everyone for writing. We have one last letter. I want to say, I want to uh, say, yeah, uh, it's let's a good not go one. to me. It's let's a good one. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, no, uh, no. Oh, I totally forgot. Michael's story was so enchanting. Yeah, I'm sorry. We might um, have to leave it on that. So uh, we are going to end with one last letter. I want to thank everyone for writing in. Even if I didn't answer your letter, I answered it in my head when I was reading it. We had to be really ruthless to fit all these into an hour and a half. Uh, are, are you are you exper- are you uh, uh, experiencing trepidation, Ray, about this letter? I want to read it. Oh, no, go ahead. Okay, so this is our scathing letter of the year. Is this it? This is the last one? It's the last one, yeah. Okay, all right. Scathing letter of the year. Do you have to go, Chris? No. Okay, cool. No, yes, I'm wanted in surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, you better scrub up. So our scathing letter of the year. Apparently, when I said, please ask us questions, uh, a person decided this is an open season on criticizing us and what we do. So I wanted to read their letter out loud so we can uh, laugh at them in in, in good humor and good fun. I won't say who this person's name is. And I will put some uh, some music under this when I read it on the podcast. Do you want to do it in like a smooth jazz voice or something? Uh, no, I'm just going to read it in my own voice. Okay. So starts off pretty good. Loving this iteration of the podcast. Okay, yeah. I, thank you. Thank you. Uh, sometimes, though, you guys tend to fill in the blanks of your memory with made-up facts that could easily be looked up online. Sorry, that's my bad. <laughs> well, we're going to get rid of Michael soon. Yeah, even the, even the comedian Let's Players I watch do this. And since y'all are self-proclaimed historians... Try and get your facts straight. Also, bashing millennials isn't cool. You know that generation stretches all the way back to those born in the early 1980s, right? Please don't bash millennials. And that's from questions mark. That's from question marks. And I'll say, maybe if you were you were not so busy counting your participation trophies, you would know that we are true and honest gamers and we're true historians. And okay, the reason I'm reading this, it's a plea for sanity. 
a plea <laughs> to understand that we are humans. We are doing this on our own free time. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody, but we do our research. But this is just a conversation between people, and I want yeah. people to realize that we are not trying to be definitive. I don't think my opinion is definitive. We are all just people with an opinion. And in the end, I think the fact that you like our opinions is something I really appreciate. But you shouldn't take it too seriously. And this is not a primary source. Exactly. For yeah. anything. You know? Except yes. maybe that Miyamoto story I just told. Yes. Also, we and misremember our things sometimes. Exactly, right. exactly. And again, I'm sorry to end on a negative note, but I just want to let you guys know because I think there is some confusion. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, if I say Pac-Man 2 is good, I'm not saying put it in the history books, write it in the stars. Pac-Man 2 is beautiful. <laughs> it's just what Bob Mackie thinks, you know? And if you if you take that and into the context it, yeah. of the entire podcast and our conversation, what I say, I'm just one guy, you know? I just want people to understand that. And I, I just wonder, uh, how, how are they made up facts that are also able to be looked up online? Uh, that's, that's true. Uh, he's, he's saying we make things up instead of looking them up online. Oh. Right. And I will say again. That's understand. called speaking extemporaneously. Yeah, and we all do it. And I, I hope this person is not as harsh with their conversations they have with other people, which I'm mm. assuming they don't have. Uh, but again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for writing in. I'm sorry to end on a negative note, but again, a plea for sanity. We're just humans. Let us make mistakes. Yeah. We make you a free podcast, and we hope you appreciate it. So again, I've been Bob Mackey, your host. I'm not mad. I'm not even disappointed. I'm happy to be here. And you can find me on the internet as Bob Servo. You can read my writing at somethingawful.com or usgamer.net. And uh, you can listen to my Talking Simpsons podcast. It's a chronological exploration of The Simpsons. It's on the LaserTime Podcast Network. Go to lasertimepodcast.com and listen to it. I think you'll like it. And you can just look up Talking Simpsons in your podcast device to find it. Everybody else, who are you? Where can we find you? Ray. Uh, I just want to say, you know, if this was something like Cornell University Presents Rotronauts, we would be fucked for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would be stripped of all of my yeah. uh, medals and badges and, and degrees, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh... <laughs> I do my own po- pod podcast. Oh. I do my own podcast. The podcast. Oh eh? dear! It's called No More Whoppers. No More Whoppers. It's a fun romp. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what they that's what they always said that's, in the magazines when a game was like three hours long yeah. and sixty dollars. It's, it's a fun romp. <laughs> um, I, hi, I'm Chris Kohler. I'm an editor at Wired. Um, Wired.com is where you find the things that I write. Uh, I definitely want to say that my old book about uh, Japanese video games, which Ooh. is called Power Up, How Japanese Video Games Gave the World an Extra Life, is finally, 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 after 12 years, going to be back in print uh, from Dover Publications this Ooh. October. Brand new cover uh, from uh, retronaut Karen Chu. Um, a brand new chapter by me. A brand new forward by by Shuhei Yoshida, the head oh, wow. of uh, PlayStation Worldwide Studios. Um, and uh, even more cool stuff is going to be jam-packed in there, and it's definitely the sort of thing that Retronauts have been asking me for for nigh on 12 years now. Yes, it will be back in print. Yes, there will be digital versions. Yes, you can read it on your Kindle. Uh, I'm super pumped. So, Chris, you realize my, my first printing is going to go down in value now. How could you do this to me? How could you do this to collectors? <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it was, it was kind of weird and fun having like a collectible that I made yeah. that was super expensive uh, but yes I need I, to now destroy the thing that I created I now really wish that I brought my copy for you to sign oh no well it's you know I'm, I'm, I'm still here I work across the street from you uh, oh that's true yeah. you just whip the book that? through your window <laughs> yes. tie it to a brick toss it yeah 
I don't think Conde Nast would appreciate that property damage, though. Um, Michael, where can we find you? You can find me at vidigameapocalypse.com, where I do a weekly podcast every Friday, uh, usually very early in the morning on Friday, but you should subscribe to it anyway. Uh, It's uh, Occasionally Bob is on it. Uh, There's usually a regular set of hosts, uh, Chris Antista, Henry Gilbert of Cape Crisis, uh, Dave Rudden of Cheap Popcast. yeah, we, we are set in a very comfortable rut, and uh, it's produced some great audio so far. And I just wanted to say that you – the fact that you think it's acceptable to make fun of millennials, Bob, oh, no. is indicative of the entitlement that has gripped your entire safe space-obsessed generation. Uh, I'm offended now. I can't even talk. I'm so offended. I, wow, listen, no. guys, I got to go right thin skin. I have to go write a think piece about this, but I want to reiterate that I love you all and I appreciate you you listening to me. And we'll be back next week with a micro episode. Take it easy, everybody. Uh-huh.